Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better, a special live episode. My name is Ben Hansen. Thank you for being here. I'm joined by the one, the only, Jeff Marchiafava. That's me. That's him. Take him or leave him as he is. We're also joined by Janet Garcia. Hello. Welcome to the show. We're joined by Haley McLean. Hello and welcome everybody on this very special episode of the MinMax show. We're going to be talking about the Xbox Developer Direct, the big reveal of a bunch of gameplay and details on Microsoft's games for 2024. Then we're going to be unpacking Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, the 2D Metroidvania, all that fun stuff. And then back after the show, you better believe we're going to get to a bunch of community questions that people submitted over there on Patreon. Janet, hi, how are you? Good. It's my first episode of the year, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've only had one new one, I guess, last week, technically. But let's see. Um, stuff you missed. I uh, hate to break it to you, Janet. I did finish Bayonetta Origins. Wow. Um, on the beach. You really did it. I really did. I, I did. sat there on a beach and played through all of that game. Well, we and don't all have the same resources, Ben. Okay. I guess like that's privilege. true. I guess that's true. Um, but I'm not here to shame you for not finishing it because I understand it. And I can... Whenever anybody asks you if you played that game, you can just call me up and I'll speak for you uh, and share all thoughts and opinions on Bayonetta Origins, please. Our user wager. All right. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. That's how it works. Um, hey, if you're tuning in and you're saying, hey, where is the discussion about The Last of Us Part 2 Remastered? First of all, I want to know what type of person you are, if you're that eager for a Last of Us discussion. I am excited to talk about that remaster. Sony sent us... Came uh, four years codes. ago, you guys. Yeah, but this oh, version no. does have some cool stuff. It, Sneak peek for our discussion next week, by the way. Uh, I am red hot on the developer commentary they included in The Last of Us Part 2 Remaster. Of course you are. 210s, watch out. I, uh, greatest this work of art of all time, developer commentary. Other game that you like. Making of Karateka? <laughs> Yes. I can't imagine that'll come up in this episode at all. But point is, we're going to be unpacking The Last of Us Part 2 remastered in a bigger way uh, next week on the podcast. So get ready for all that. Uh, but this week, there's too much else to cover. But I do want to point out, if you are getting that version on PS5 to play The Last of Us Part 2, uh, you could, if you wanted to, play along with The Deepest Dive. Because we had the best, most thorough discussion about that game on the internet on MinMax's YouTube channel. So you can check that out. Uh, for a multi-part game club discussion all about all about that game. It's a very fun chat if you want to hear and play along with people who are experiencing that game for the first time. Uh, or you can unlock the podcast version over there on Patreon if you want to. But Janet, uh, we all shared our live reaction to the Xbox developer direct. Um, you were uh, not included in that stream. You were off. Were you doing stuff with the remap, I presume? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, what was your high-level takeaway from the Xbox developer direct? Um... I am not that interested in a lot of these games. Admittedly. Okay. Um, I guess high level. I, I I still like the format a lot. Yeah. Um, it did. Uh, the glass did shatter when someone in chat pointed out that this is just a Prezi, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I used to love Prezi in high school. Oh, like the interface where they're like going around and clicking oh, yeah. on different things yeah, to like present different games and, and stuff. I'm like, Damn, it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still think it's a really fun way to look at things, and I think as usual with these um, presentations. It can be a challenge, I think, to sometimes capture um, what's the essence that makes your game special and how can we convey that? Like, yeah. I think Avowed, it could be cool, but it's, it was kind of tough to like convey that, I yes. feel like, in this format. So um, yeah. a little bit of a mixed bag, but still liking the general setup that Xbox has for these. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I'm not trying to be too gaga about it, but I think this is like the perfect way to present games. Like there's still a place for rapid fire here's a new game here's a new game but i think we all get kind of overwhelmed by that but i feel like this presentation is the complete opposite of the game awards in some ways where it just it feels like it's 
relaxed. It feels like it respects developers. We get to hear from a lot of developers that we don't normally hear from. Um, you know, even like the, the Hellblade 2 section, like we didn't even see Tamim, who's the game's director, who's been in like every video about Hellblade ever. You know, he wasn't even shown at all or mentioned, which was really odd. Um, but I just felt like it had a great pacing. It's like, hey, we're going to really be selective about the games we're showing here. But trust us, it's worth us going in depth and kind of getting into more systems and gameplay focused discussions for these games. And I think, again, just to kiss Microsoft's butt a little bit, I think they do a really good job of like setting expectations too ahead of time to be like, hey, we're focusing on these four games, these four games. There's not going to be a shadow drop. Don't expect another hi-fi rush. Here we go. Um, and I thought it was really well done then when they had the little extra twist of like, but we're sneaking in a fifth game. Like that's a fun surprise. We'll get people talking and all that stuff. But I, I love the presentation, but Haley, did you have thoughts overall the presentation before we jump into the specifics on these games here? Yeah, that very much gave like Encore to concert energy. It's like, they don't need to, but it's kind of almost a little bit expected just so you leave it like, huh, more than I thought. So it like, makes sense why they're, maybe they're going to have to do that every single time now if they're setting the precedent now. Right. <laughs> that's what every... I want to ask y'all about. Like, at what point do you think the tables turn where we go into these saying, what do you think their other thing? What surprise is going to be? Yeah. yeah. What's going to slide into the screen? Right. How many times <laughs> can they do that? Yeah. I guess that's a good question. Um, I think yeah. they have to do it every time now. I do think they, they do, do. It's like yeah. an encore. Like an encore. You need it. Otherwise, everyone gets pissed off. You got to do it. But I thought it was good. I thought it's interesting that, you know, what I kept thinking about during the whole time is like, of course, it's so fluent or fluid and easy to do this when you own most of these companies so you're able to just go in and do whatever you want and record whenever you want kind of thing well, as the parent company i hear but, you, you know i mean at the same time like uh ara history untold oxide games microsoft does not own them yet this kind of feels like a little bit of their audition yet. uh to see if they can get picked up and absorbed into the they beast own ninja theory though they do obviously but square enix got in there you know that's not a first party thing you yeah. know they, they got there they had some range for what they're showing off here but i thought it outlined yeah. a really solid 2024 for microsoft here uh it may be a little bit more curious about a lot of these games while still showing enough but jeff what it do you think? made me intrigued oh, yeah. by some games i didn't think i was going to be intrigued by sorry yeah no that's that, exactly that, it. that like civ 4 kind of game aria or whatever it was called like i want to play that now yeah. Uh, Jeff, what do you think was the game you want to unpack the most? What stood out to you the most from this presentation? Um, well, that kind of that kind of gets into the problem that I'm a little more in Janet's camp. Great presentation, and I do really like how they had solid chunks on each one, and it was consistent uh, across the board in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they went to each studio and filmed everyone there and had a consistent style across everything. Yeah. I thought all the games looked good, I I wasn't blown away by any of them. Okay. Yeah. Um I think I'm in the same camp. I, I yeah. guess I guess I'm most interested in Avowed still, mm. but it was it was a bit of a weird I'm interested in that because I like Obsidian and I liked um the Lost Lost World. Oh Jeff um Fan credibility Wild draining. Worlds. Outer worlds, buddy. We did the deepest dive Outer on it, for worlds. God's yeah. sake. See, yeah. I, I was so, I was so concerned about the worlds versus wilds <laughs> that I forgot. That's uh, the hack, the the hack for part. that is to lean into not knowing and just be like, the outer worlds of the Echoes of the Eye. Like, y'all know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, now it's a bit more. and not just you forgetting yeah. the name of the game. That's smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but so, so that's why I was most interested in it. Um, they really... They really talked that one up of like, oh, we're doing so many, so many different things. And first of all, that's hard ap- to do after Baldur's Gate 3 came out. And that's like a huge gonna get, shadow. Everything's yes. going to get, 
you know, compared to the best version of this kind of game that you could ever hope for. Um, but but even beyond that, you know, it's like, oh, the this the combat's going to be so great, and you know, it's so immersive and everything. It's like that looks like Skyrim combat, like, and and I will all applaud Obsidian for like they show the game that they are making and they do not really fancy it up. Um, but yeah, it. I was I was left I guess a little underwhelmed by that. Um, really, so th- I think that is th- so, so. This is the game that's in the same universe as Pillars of Eternity. It is their first person, uh, open worldish, maybe more of an open region type game. It it felt a lot like Outer Worlds to me again. Like even seeing the conversations yeah. and stuff. And yeah. I don't know. We've talked about it before, and I still have the same weird takeaway for uh, Avowed here, where it's like. It looks a little budget, and that's kind of exciting to me. Like, I kind of want Obsidian to not oh. break the bank making this huge, lavish thing that's going to take 10 years. You know, I like the idea of, like, all right, we'll make an RPG. It's going to take about three years to develop, and if you're an Obsidian fan, you'll probably like it. And uh, here you go. This is what it looks like moving on. For sure. And that that is why um, I was excited going into it, because of that comparison um, to the... Outer Worlds. Yeah, buddy, you got it. That that was right. God, I swear to God, that game is just impossible to remember the name of. Um, But yeah, so so like the Skyrim version of that, right? Like do it, do a smaller, more contained thing that and focus on the things that Obsidian's really good at. Um, And I guess, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's I'm jaded from Baldur's Gate three, or and or just like they spent a lot of time on wand combat and like you know, the combinations that you can do with that. But like, but all those combinations are things that we've done in so many games. You know, it's, I I feel like it's the kind of game that I'm just going to have to actually get it in my hands and play. And that's when the world will become more interesting and kind of the characters and, you know, stories that they're trying to tell. But it's a, it's tough to try and sell that kind of game in a 10 minute. It is. And even tried, I think being like, Oh, we have, quote unquote, thoughtful reactivity in our quest. And let's show you a little bit of a quest here. But even that snippet of the quest, it wasn't really hitting for like, wow, huge consequences for this decision. It didn't quite land. Maybe they wanted it to. But I mean, Haley, as a huge fan of Baldur's Gate 3, I mean, it's not fair to this game to compare it. But does that are you thinking about Baldur's Gate 3 as they're bragging a little bit about like, look, it's a it's a reactive game. Your your quest will have consequences and avowed, we swear. Yeah, like I was thinking about Witcher 3 as well, because undoubtedly that all these kind of things stem i think witcher 3 still has some of the most memorable side missions of all time because they're morally gray and because you could finish a lot of them in both directions and still be either a nice person or a bad person depending on what you think right and the the fun of that isn't being explicit that it's morally gray and being like this is morally gray this is it's just like that's humans when they interact with things and things happen you have to make a choice and oh that's kind of weird but anyways and i i don't know sometimes if it seemed like maybe here it got boiled down to the most basic understanding of morally gray option choice of just like <laughs> lesser of two evils. Like everyone kind of gets it. I don't know. I kind of like where there's a bit more to that, where even if I pick the good thing, I still feel a little guilty or what, instead of just lying to someone or not lying to someone, right. you get a reward. You don't get a reward. And yeah. and and also, but we we don't want to spoil anything, so we're not going to tell you what any of the consequences are. But we're going to just tell you that there are big consequences for this thing yeah. that we kind of half demoed. Like, but okay, it felt very right. canned yeah. in there, and that's what I mean by I think 
I don't know whether or not Avowed will be a good game or not, but it did not feel unique and, or like special in any way in the way they presented it. It felt like, have you played a game before? This is how games are. Like, oh, and you can do melee or you can do this. I also think with the magic, it was tough because it was hard not to think of Immortals of Avium. Seeing oh, don't say it. Don't too. say it. And I'm like, oh, the Immortals of Avium effect. And yes, it, exactly. it felt like they got split both ways in a really awkward sense where I think for a lot of us and Jeff, I didn't finish um, Outer Worlds. Now it's in my head. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I didn't finish it, but I did really enjoy my time with it. Um, the time I did spend with it. And I think part of that fun was the little character interactions. And again, we can debate how good is it compared to like the great RPGs of all time and things. But I, I really enjoyed those interactions. And I feel like w- I watched this and I'm like, what do you think makes this game special? Yeah. I feel like I don't have the sense that you know that answer. Uh, well, it's interesting. Know, I but mean, they didn't, they didn't instill confidence that they knew the answer to that. You can tell that one of the key talking points was like, oh, this world is really vibrant and colorful. It's really different. And then, hey, look, dual wielding pistols is unique in this type of game and dual wielding wands. Check this out. Um, and Never I, seen I, dual wielding wands before. No Very one cool. has dared to come up with dual wielding wands. And I hear you. It, it's not going to blow anybody away, but I do think like, hey, if you like Baldur's Gate 3, here's a 30 hour more janky version of that and somewhere between Baldur's Gate 3 and Skyrim, but just a smaller, jankier version of it. Enjoy in 2024. I, I feel like I'll pick it up, but at the same time, I hear you that Haley said Immortals of Avium as well, seeing the combat. And it's like, well, the yeah. combat doesn't look honestly as good as Immortals of Avium, for being honest. And the, Ouch. I mean, the RPG-ness, it can't get anywhere near Baldur's Gate 3 because that game is an absolute miracle. So it is kind of left in this uh, bit of a, a dead land, unlike the Living Lands, which is where it takes place. I, I, again, this is all just early, you know, glimpses well, of this thing so far. I kind of want to push back on the Baldur's Gate 3 thing because for me I don't feel like every game needs to be the greatest game of all time and I'm not saying BG3 is the greatest game of all time I just mean that there's a lot of space to exist beyond the pinnacle and I think sometimes we get caught up on like I don't know I feel like that's specific to it being a slightly less popular genre than something like you know an open world style game like when Breath of the Wild came out I mean there was a little bit of that conversation of how can games exist outside of Breath of the Wild aren't isn't this going to ruin all games yep. for us but there's different things that are appealing in different games. Like the joy I get out of Outer Worlds isn't undermined by my appreciation of Baldur's Gate 3. Like, sure, I would say BG3 is the better game, but like they're different flavors yeah. and they're different things. It's not like every day I don't listen to the greatest album of all time. Yes, there's going to be- okay, I'm done yeah. listening to music. That's you know? my point. I think there's going to be a slot for Avowed, even if it's not yeah. turning heads left and right. Like, especially on Game Pass. Like, I, yeah, of course everyone's going to jump in and try it. Yeah, of, yeah. of course. Yeah, I, I, think it, I think it is, it's just- like the thing that they chose to focus on in this presentation in terms of storytelling, they're showing you, you know, basically how their dialogue system is working. And, and it's like everyone's touch point for that is what they played a few months ago and probably all of 2023 to get through Baldur's Gate three. And that's, that ends up being a rough comparison, even though it's not, it's probably not hugely, uh, you know, a valid comparison once the two games are out and you can you know you're not going to compare them side by side right right sense. yeah but uh, they announced that it's coming out this fall so we can look forward to avowed then um hellblade the big fall game i don't know what else is coming out in the fall but it's, hey it's claiming it right now i mean i guess indiana Jones might also right now, take yeah. it 
But uh, they also showed Hellblade 2. We finally got a release date for Hellblade 2, Senua's Saga. That's coming out May 21st, 2024. So damn close. Haley, you're playing Hellblade right now. I'm mm-hmm. curious what you, what you thought about everything they're showing for Hellblade 2. Excited. I mean, it just kind of looks like more Hellblade, but it looks prettier. It has more enemies. There's more characters you can interact with. Like, it's just more. It kind of seems like just more of the past thing, which I'm down for because I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah. I, I don't know why I skipped out on it when uh, it came out previously. It's just a game I missed. But, oh, it's doing such cool things with audio, with visuals, with. Like the con, I get what they're doing with concepts, but I'm very intrigued by this death system that, you know, the more you die, then it's, if you die too much, you have to start all over again. That kind of, it has me feeling very wary and and stuff, which I don't normally feel in a game, which I think is the purpose Mm -hmm. is you're supposed to feel like her and I can't die. God, like it's giving me actual consequences to my actions. If I throw into things too fast, um, and yeah, it's good. I'm really excited to finish it and then watch a bunch of YouTube videos about <laughs> it kind of thing. Like I love games like that. It's like yeah. breaking down the mental health like background research that went into Hellblade. Like I, I want to right. know what they looked into, what kind of thought processes they made for that because they seem to put that in really high regard as we talked about it. Like the first credit in the game is the like mental health specialists who were on staff to help right. with discussing psychosis and stuff like that. So I think it's yeah. interesting when games lean into that it's not just scary it's something humans deal with and this is our visualization of that plus like ancient lore of cultures we don't normally get to see which is also cool yeah i don't know i'm for it i'm excited to finish it and also play this one now yeah yeah and and so they emphasized again that they have paul fletcher uh who is that uh specialist on perception from uh cambridge that they're gonna he's gonna be involved in hellblade 2 and like uh i visited uh ninja theory back when i was at game informer for the cover story on on the first hellblade and like one of my favorite interviews ever is we went to cambridge and just like went to a little well like a a, the point is we went to this awesome room at cambridge and interviewed paul fletcher there and it was was a secret room like no it was just it was like a fancy (laughs) cool college room but like from cambridge so it was like built in like the 1600s or something everywhere yeah it was just incredibly gorgeous and we're sipping on tea and then it was just like an hour of talking to this guy who's incredibly smart just about like human perception and what a miracle it is that somehow everybody's sense of perception and reality is aligned. Like it really doesn't make sense uh, that everybody's just on the same page for reality. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the area of his focus. Uh, and so it was fun to, to see him pop up again. So, yeah, cool. it's interesting when we're talking about the messaging that Microsoft is slipping into these. Like they did note like this is going to be a shorter narrative led experience. I think they want to like get out there like this isn't going to be Microsoft's God of War. This is still an artsy weird thing. Don't expect a huge emphasis on combat. This is going to be a freaky shorter experience, which is it's fun to have thrown out there, you know. I was interested to see that 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 very clear right up front first thing they said. Right. They weren't even like here's oh Sanua's back they're like this is shorter and narrative moving on like right. it was very purposeful. I was like okay, sorry. Like I promise <laughs> I thought that's what it was going to be. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they showed uh, the big surprise was Visions of Mana uh, that popped in here. That uh, was the the big twist, the big one they they threw in there. Um, yeah, the game looks good. Like I feel like Mana fans they need to be thrown a bone after that remake uh, last time around of Secret of Mana, which was a bit rough for a remake. But this one, it, it looks solid. It looks cute. They brought the original creator back to consult on his drawings for his fantastical creatures he came up with in high school and how they're converting those to 3d and stuff but 
Janet, uh, <laughs> could you guess the Metacritic score, please, for Visions of Mana? Oh, God, I don't know. I'd have to look at... I always just look at what it last got. Okay. I guess off the top of my head... Um, God, it's tough. You know. I feel like it's going to get what... What did Dragon Age Treasure whatever get? Ooh, we're in Dragon Age Treasure like territory. Okay. I think it's going to be around that. I feel like 76 to 82. Oh, I think you're right. I think it'll be a victory if it's in that arena for Mana fans. But it, it seems I think seems it'll be lovely. fine. So yep. like, oh, it's kind of good, you know? Like, I think it'll be around that. <laughs> yep, I totally hear you. Uh, there's a big, huge dog mount, which Haley squealed over in the game. That might be the most exciting thing yeah. they showed in there, but it's Is, cool. Guess the, the Metacritic, my, you turn to Kelsey and say, like, give me this factoid from history. Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that my, That's <laughs> my exactly. trope? I'm and okay with it. I when I always I turn to Sarah and I say, give us a joke, please. Like, everybody has yeah. their area of expertise, I feel like. And then I'm know? like, Leo, name a game that's going to die you know, that you like. <laughs> like, you know, it's, we all have our things. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, Visions of Mana is coming out it, this summer, apparently. Yeah, is it is it cynical of me to think yes. that yes. Microsoft yeah. looked at looked at the presentations and said, "Hey, this is the weakest one. How about we do this as a surprise and just say that there are four, and then we and then we bring that one out, and then expectations are low, and this is a surprise thing, and we're all happier to see it than we would have been." I would think that the strategy would be put a middle of the road one be a surprise, so it's not the worst, but mm-hmm. it's something there but not the best thing we're gonna see yeah and i think this you know it might not be the game that'll wow everybody but i'm sure the part they were most worried about in the production of this was for our uh history untold which is uh the 4x game that microsoft is getting behind in a big way from from oxide and so not that it's gonna be the worst it seems like it's a promising 4x game and i'm sure it'll review well but that seems like the one that would be a tough one to slot in there as a surprise for people like surprise here's a grid it's like uh, okay you know <laughs> um but yeah this this seems cool uh Haley, you said you wanted to get into a 4x game at some point in your life yeah i tried with civ 5 a few different times um and i just really want to I, it looks <laughs> fun it looks like i would like it and i it seems like sit a through Ooh. yeah and i sit through the tutorials and i hear the horse noises as my horses go to the next grid and hit the other people with sticks and and stuff yeah and i just i'm like i think i liked that they said that there's no downtime because i really was getting kind of bored when i take my turn and then i kind of sit there while little animations happen and i know you can skip those but if i skip it then i'm like what just happened it takes more time yeah. to figure out what just happened a second ago anyways so the fact that they're saying it's like a live it's live, simultaneous like turns strategy, for everybody like things are happening right now well no, and it's, also, not, no, it's not that it's real time it's turn-based just everybody's turns are at the same time which is a weird distinction but important i think <laughs> You think, how is that? I understand what you mean, but also my brain's like, ah, same thing. Kind of. As long as I, <laughs> I'm just defensive because I think when this game was announced, it's like, oh, real time strategy games. Like, well, no, 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 no. Like RTSs are a completely different thing. I like RTSs. Yeah. I struggle. I struggle with my experience of 4X games. So one's a yeah, yeah. hot and one's a cold in my mind. I get, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Um, but I also like that there seems to be some, we were talking about like zoo tycoon energy to this, like some boundless wall. The world's just a little world with little animals running around and you can use that to benefit or hinder you. They were all talking about apparently cougars pop up and kill every, all your little guys a lot. But, but that's, honestly, that's, why I like I like, that. I, that's why I like this presentation. I think they do a good job and especially like the Starfield direct or chunk of the direct that they had last year. I think they're doing the a really good job. Of just, yeah, focusing on little things like the sandwiches, just joking around about stacking up all these. Just, hey, tell us a funny story about playing this game in the studio. Let's highlight that. And I do think for Aura History Untold showing the 4X game, having like a jokey section where they talk about cougars being out of control and killing everybody, like that's perfect. Or even, this is kind of a video production thing, barely, but I do love 
as well, when they're presenting this game, the guy's doing the interview and then a guy accidentally walks behind him and like gets a pop out of the, the cooler and it's just like breaks the interview. And then they have a cute little moment where it's like, oh, that's Dan. Uh, the studio actually started in his basement. And to me, somebody who's cynical about this type of thing, it feels completely genuine and natural. Like, I think that's another thing I like about these developer directs is it's so hard as a developer or as anybody to stand in your studio and talk into a camera and present your game. And everybody that got to speak, I think, did such a good job, but still it's loose mm -hmm. enough for those little goofy moments. Anyways, our history untold. I I'm curious to see how it does. You know, Sega, what, just last year, maybe two years ago, they tried getting into the 4X arena. It seems like everybody wants a bite of that civilization pie. And they made a humankind, which reviewed yes. okay. Uh, I, I, didn't I tried that. Did you really? Oh, interesting. But I bounced off because that was about when the time when I was trying to get into this style again because Humankind came out and then I asked for recommendations in our Discord and they said Civ 5 was the most five. like up to date. And yeah, and I was like, okay, so I tried Civ 5 and I tried Humankind and then I bounced off both of them. Huh. Uh, have you ever tried Civilization Revolution? Civ Rev? No. That's no. the one that they made designed for consoles and they eventually brought it to oh. like mobile and you can check it out there. But if you're looking for like a baby version of Civ, it's... It was really good back on 360. I need and... a baby version of Civ. Okay. <laughs> I think it's baby version of We need but... like a list of games like that, like baby versions, parenthetical, like n respectfully, you know? Right, <laughs> right. And we, baby <laughs> versions. Non-derogatory. But we like babies. We think they're really cool. Uh, so anyways, I'm curious to see how that. too far. Now it's weird again. Yeah, you Me know and your what? baby can play the game co-op. Oh, that sounds adorable. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I'm curious to see how it does. I, uh, it's cool that Microsoft is like showing a PC game and focusing on a PC game during this. Because, I mean, it seems like it's PC exclusive right now. So that's Why was your gut to think it was going to be on console? Because at the start of that video when it yeah. came on, you're like, oh, console might be. Why did you think that? Because honestly, I thought it was like for all of these, there were going to be Xbox games. I didn't even consider that they would carve mm. out time for PC. But I'm happy they're doing it. I think it's cool. Mm. Um, then the biggie. The biggie of this whole thing is Mr. Todd Howard got out there and said, I've dreamed my entire life of Indiana Jones caressing me as I go to sleep. And finally, I've made the game. Uh, the name of it is... Fantastic impression. Thank you. Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. Uh, and Todd Howard from Bethesda fame, he's just the executive producer here, but he kind of got the ball rolling, this boulder rolling, Jeff. Um, oh. For this entire project. Um, anyways, but Machine Games is making it the Wolfenstein team. It just uh, cut the live feed right there. <laughs> I really wish. That's just, and the podcast is just done. There's never an update again on the Patreon. Just Min Max just goes <laughs> from here on out. The murder mystery of Min Max? Yeah. We, that new show plus writes itself. It really does. But like, by that, I mean Leo writes it and then has to act it out. That's right. That's right. Um, also, I feel like that was a new plus show idea at one point i think it was, it was like, i don't think there's a lot of stuff history. in there though wasn't there one that like, jeff writes an entire novel or something and you're like who hold me down for this well he wrote a children's book but he complained about it so much it felt like it was a novel apparently <laughs> because he really didn't yeah, like you, writing you, that you set me up on that one yeah it's a classic but indiana switch. jones uh, indy's back baby yeah we get to see indy we got to see gameplay again it was like it was a really in-depth presentation like they really showed Indie a lot depth. of this thing yeah um jeff um Gut reaction, Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. Feed it to us. How you feeling? Uh I will I wanna I wanna play it. Yeah. It's that doesn't it, sound like a pre-order vibe. It's honestly right up there with Avowed where it was like Oof. man, I'm I'm really i I'm really I was really I went into it stoked. They showed 
you know, Indiana's face, which it looked a little weird, but it's like, okay, they're, they're going for the actual indie. That's the one that yep. I know. Um, gameplay. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting mix. It's an interesting mix for machine games to go from just the most bombastic, you know, like gun heavy Wolfenstein, crazy Wolfenstein games. And then be like, well, you're mostly punching people and you can whip people, which is kind of cool. And sometimes you'll use Indy's revolver. And it's, it's just a, a very different, I think, um, focus for combat. And, and yeah. again, the combat was kind of where I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to like the combat. I'm. I want to see the puzzles. The puzzle, adventure kind of stuff is much more appealing to me, and that's what I'm kind of looking forward to. But it, it was it was a weird mix of. I'm really I'm really psyched that we're seeing this. I'm in, this is a game that I'm interested in. I'm just as much of an indie fan as everyone else. And then it was just kind of like. I don't want to say death by a thousand cuts, but it's but but like. Weird, weird choices by a, a thousand weird choices, I guess, that had me like, OK, that's kind of weird. OK, he looks a little weird in that picture. OK, well, like this, this looks a little stilted, but but uh, but I still want to I still want to see it. They 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 talked a lot also of like it was another one of those interview moments where they're like, we're putting in as many solutions as we can to, to all these different things. You can like go up scaffolding and go up above them to get past them. And it's like. All right, like I've played a lot of arcane games at this point, and it feel like, like your your example, you're falling down on the examples again because the, Mudge, because Jeff, um, you missed it. One of the options then was you took a shovel and just racked a guy's Hit nuts from behind. Hit so, a guy, in the, yeah. yeah. So that was good. Um, you haven't done but that. Yeah, it's, game. But but that so that was my overall kind of lukewarmness for the for the in, for like the entire presentation was I felt like a lot of. You know, obviously very enthusiastic developers that are that are making good games, but it felt like part of the pitch was, hey, we're doing new and interesting things. And then all the examples were kind of like, well, I've seen that a lot in games and I'm sure Mm. it will be fun. But it's like but again, you're not blowing my mind with like new creative possibilities in these. Yeah, maybe that's the best way to sum it up. Just if you want to be a robot from hell and just focus on numbers. It was a very great presentation of a bunch of eights. If I may, if I may put things down to a number, right? Like maybe that's the conclusion uh, that I had at least for uh, the developer direct. But okay, there's a lot of things we can talk about with Indiana Jones. You say you're most excited for puzzles. I do think that was the most interesting chunk is when they talked about like the puzzles, most of them are optional, actually. It's like, how is that going to work? Just like you collect some It'll collectibles? Just be nestled in, this, in a hidden hole, a cave in the wall or something yeah, probably. And, yeah, and they're meant and to be like, like uh, seamless with the environment, which I'm a little nervous about like how seamless, because... I think integration is great, but as someone that recently finished Kingdom Hearts, there is such a thing as too seamless. So <laughs> well, I don't know what I can interact especially with. Especially 2001 so, seamless is a different can of worms. I here, mean, you know? I it's, hope so. But, you know, that's just that's the thing. I think there is such a thing as too seamless for certain aspects. But I thought that was intriguing for sure. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they had a they had a line in there where they were like, some puzzles, even the pu- the puzzle is going to be hidden and and you'll just stumble upon the puzzle. And it's like. Am I going to though, or am I just going to walk right through there and not realize there was something there? Like the the optional puzzle thing, it re- it reminded me of the new Tomb Raider games, where like mm-hmm. they made yeah. a bunch of tombs and a lot of them were optional, and yep. so that doesn't yeah. scare me as much. But it's like, but I'd still like to know when something's there without like having to scour the environment and and hope that I find the the content. Like make it optional, sure, but but let me know that it's there. Yeah. 
I'm a, I'm a little. That was another little thing where it's like, eh, okay, I that could be cool. That, yeah, that could work, I guess. But uh, I'll have to see it. First person, interesting mm-hmm. choice. It's machine games. You know, maybe a lot of us were expecting it to be a big shift to have them go to third person for this thing. But first person, except for when you're navigating some spaces, using your whip to climb up a wall and stuff, it'll kind of cut to third person for those chunks. Which you can I wonder see them in why. Uh, can you want to see them, I guess? And also just like first person for navigating is kind of wonky. Like, can you imagine first person like throwing a whip somewhere and then just like having the camera shift that drastically as you're then yeah, walking Tarazin up a wall? Yeah, the mountain. Okay. And it's okay to not do that. I'm sure. <laughs> like, VR is tricky. You know, yeah, to their point, I mean, I do think third person feels better for that kind of thing but i do wonder how like quick are the are the cuts gonna feel like good between those two it seems like the transition seemed okay yeah it's kind of i'm trying to think did chronicles of riddick do that jeffum just to go full back in machine games history back when they were at starbreeze like i wonder how much they're pulling from kind of that chat says yes okay yeah well, that's good to know chat's saying yes um but yeah uh the other big reveal for this is you see his face harrison ford's face I remember talking to the designers, like the art director for Disney Infinity 3.0, where they brought Han Solo in and like Star Wars stuff. Interesting. And I remember the the art director was talking about like the hardest character by far was Han Solo because there's something about Harrison Ford's face that's huh. really tough to nail. <laughs> like every design just feels off. There's something so unique. And maybe it's just we've seen it so much throughout our lives. So Definitely the first reveal of his face in this game, I had a little bit of like that, oh, okay. Like it's it's not perfect. They're not going for the highest fidelity face I've ever seen in my life. But also I think there's just something naturally about Harrison Ford that it's a tough face to nail. We know it too that well. Makes, Unscannable. It kind of is. That makes sense because we, like you're saying, we've seen him in so many titular things that we recognize his face. Whereas who are these other people? Old man with glasses with... <laughs> bruise on his nose i don't know who he is so when mm-hmm. i see his face in this art style i'm like okay but then when i see harrison ford the movies that my dad put on repeat in our living room when i was a kid growing up i his face is burned yeah. in my skull i'm like that's not quite him it's like your brain's gonna know it more so of course right. it's always gonna look a little weird no matter what unless it's perfect like 4k like it's completely his face mocapped in there or but even then i mean you think of there's that flashback scene in dial of destiny where they de-aged him and even that felt pretty gross and that's like you know we have all of ilm working on this and we have you know yeah. uh hundreds of hours of harrison ford's face to try and make it exactly right so i think it's just a, a tough just not thing there about. yet no but I think to- that said like the voice i thought sounded great you know like jeffrey you said and it I- sounded too good it sounded too much like him that it was suspicious which how is that well, because i was worried that it's like are they doing some weird james earl jones as darth vader ai thing um, which then yeah. it's the greatest tip of the cap. Apparently it's Troy Baker that's actually doing the voice for Indiana Jones. So it's like, it, if I thought it was an AI and it turns out it's Dra- Tra- Troy Baker, that's mission accomplished. It couldn't be I anyone else. No, it has to be him. <laughs> There's only one voice actor. That's right. He'll slowly become all of us. Um, <laughs> I do wonder, because he, um, he stopped being on the Play, Watch, Listen podcast, which is a podcast I really love that Alana Pierce hosts. And I wonder if part of it now is like this project was ramping up and it's so high pressure with him being Indiana Jones that maybe that's part of it why he has to drop out, but that's weird fan theory stuff. Uh, let's see. Other he probably, th- once he starts doing a voice, he has to talk in that voice the entire... You know, oh, he's scared of giving it away if he has a little smirk yeah. and a little Harrison Ford one-liner. That's absolutely in a podcast. That's a dead giveaway. Um, 
let's see, we were tickled pink by the idea of using a whip as a distraction tool as you're stealthing around because he's like <laughs> stealthing around a box and then just throws so a whip silly. above huh. someone's head. <laughs> what was that? There, I wonder if the guy whose only thing is his whip is around. Probably not. Like, that's so dumb. It's a weird bird call, uh, but I guess I got to look over here now. Uh, he also uses I, the I did like, as like a scaler thing, which I know he does around. in the movies, but but that would not work, right? Like that, it would you'd have to have the most crazy grip of all time in order. So that's to, where you draw the like, line, Haley. <laughs> you're like, yes. you know what? You can whip people <laughs> beside their ear and confuse them, but you can't roll down a rope. Yeah, their faces it. can melt off, but this whip physics, I just don't think it's uh-huh. right. I, I I did like there were several times when he whipped people. And their reaction looked like they got whipped. Where or it, it it was it wasn't like extreme. It was it was more just insightful like, as always. Ah, like what are, you, what are you doing with the whip? Like when Come your on. brother hits you or something. Yeah. Like, ah. The towel the snap. Heck? It's like ah. Exactly. You got me. Yeah, he can shift from that mode from towel snap whip to this whip attack in your face will actually it kill also, you. It also seems like once they get whipped, they just let him punch as much as they want. Uh-huh. As soon as that original whip there, they're like, <laughs> I'm all paralyzed. right, you got me. Shocked, punch yeah. me eight times in a row. My helmet will fall off and I'm I, dead now. I do think this is going to be a huge make or break for the game is that first person punching like melee yeah. combat like few games have pulled that off well um and it's like seemed yeah. like there's a little bit of a rhythm there as he's jumping from one person to the next punching them but that i'm a little wary about that i'm curious how it's gonna land that's gonna need like 500 animations in there constantly changing to not be just one two three hook and next guy one two three hook. right right yeah yeah I, I fingers crossed they're able to pull it off but janet how are you feeling overall about indiana jones um, I think it'll be fun to get through. I don't know if how good it'll be, which I mean, it's kind okay, of right? okay. how good something will be. But it's one of those things where it's like, if they nail this, like you can see all the ways this could be great, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, the whip combat feels really fun. And I love how like the more I explore, the more I'm rewarded with like these puzzles and exploration's its own reward, right? The review writes itself. I think we can all see the world where if they land all these things, awesome. But there's also the world well, they don't land any of them. And it's kind of like the vibes I got. Um, the comparison I made is when I played the most recent Thief. Like, I had fun. Okay, wow. But it's like, it wasn't Thief. good. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just hanging out. And it's like, but the vibes are there. And like, yeah, you know. Yeah, but so if you're just playing I, I don't the, know which side it's going to land on. You play that indie thing. music underneath the Thief. And now we are now we have a real game. Now we're cooking That's all I ever here. listened to. Again, the best album ever. <laughs> yeah, we got it. We can stop listening to music. Uh, we were, yeah. That and Baldur's Gate 3. I just hand in hand. <laughs> Uh, so they showed a couple weird uh, nerdy details is they showed like running on a plane and jumping to another plane. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, historians, but I think that was like a Japanese zero that he was jumping onto. It's like, oh, I don't think Indiana Jones has ever encountered the Japanese. Uh, so that's an interesting twist. Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure there's novels all about it. Um, and then the thing is they have their whole enemy. And I do think it's a cool premise that they're like, this enemy is super psychologically focused. Like he's smarter than Indiana Jones. He's going to get in his head. It kind of feels like the uh, Indiana Jones is equivalent of Thrawn from Star Wars, I guess, you know, it's like, so I think, I think that's a cool angle for an Indiana Jones villain here. I just felt like he was going to smack talk you and be like, you have funny ankles. And I'll be like, Oh my God, I do. How'd you know it was my one security? (laughs) I imagine you're probably right though. (laughs) It will probably be more refined than like you have funny ankles, but in my head it was just, that's kind of what they, so, you know, it's like, Oh, he walked up to you and like, smack talks you as you sung into the sand right you're gonna die alone no one loves you and it's like oh my one weakness (laughs) dying in sand i've always been scared of this 
but yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for this thing, and it's coming later this year. Certainly seems like one of those games that could slip easily, but it's a big production, but I'm curious to see. Um, and if you're excited for Indiana Jones, and again, let's just keep plugging. If you want to have something to fill the time, uh, we did do the deepest dive on Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Up till this point, the greatest Indiana Jones go. game. So you can play that old adventure game with us because it's freaking awesome. It really blew us away. There's so many cool things about that game. Uh, Lego Indiana Jones. Ooh, Is all that right. The chat? That's, a, that's a contender. Also, Lego Indiana Jones 2, that game that came out like a year after the first one when they just redid the yeah. entire trilogy again. It was such a weird concept that for that weird. thing. But there we go. That's the developer direct, all that fun stuff. But let's move on to stuff we've actually been playing and not just looking at on a computer screen for a little bit here. Uh, Prince of Persia. The games that are also on a screen. <laughs> yeah, but this is completely different. We had our hands on a when controller click, for this something thing. something happens. This is Prince of Persia. The video doesn't just stop. That's right. Sorry. No, you're, you're on top of it. Keep going. The Lost Crown, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Prince Persia game. It is out now. This is the 2D take on uh, Metroidvania Prince of Persia. Kind of going back to the roots of Prince of Persia. Or, Janet, if you want to be a nerd, an informed nerd, you could say it's going back to the roots of Karateka. Because Karateka led to the original Prince of Persia from Jordan Mechner. And so in no some ways... No None. <laughs> okay. Off, I'm just Ed. saying the making of Karateka is very cool. And it'll give you more appreciation for Prince of Persia The Lost Crown if you like game history. <laughs> yeah, but it's history. not as cool as the other things above it on the list, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, Janet, uh, you finished this game. Loved it, correct? Yeah. Okay, Jeff. Yeah, um... I platinumed it actually oh, uh, Jesus. not too long ago. Sweet. Nice. Jeff, um, where are you at for this thing? Well, I thought it was like three-fourths of the way through... Um... But the game just keeps getting bigger, and I keep. I thought I had gotten all of the abilities, but then I fought a giant snake, and I got another like very basic mainstay ability. That's like, well, this changes everything, and the map just keeps on growing. So I don't know where I am. Maybe okay. maybe halfway. Okay. Maybe, maybe three fourths now after that chunk, but yeah, um, yeah, it's a big game. I, I'm probably like three hours in. I assume Haley, we're in the same ballpark. About yeah, I'm like five to seven. Okay. Uh, I feel yeah. like since we saw this game at Summer Game Fest last year, all of us have been like, this is looking good. This is looking good. And the verdict is, Janet? Um, for me, I love it. I think oh, it's good. an incredible game. Um, it's, for me, the big takeaway is playing it so many times, like the SGF preview and then the four-hour preview. It's like, cool, this is going to be a good game. How much higher will it go than that? I'm right. not really sure. Um, and for a good chunk of my time, the thing that I kept coming back to was I'm having a great time. It's awesome, but it is inherently, it feels derivative. Like I can feel like all of the things mixed together and taste all the individual ingredients and it tastes good, but I'm like, I don't know if it tastes like its own thing. And then I got a little further and I was like, no, this is totally has its own staying powder power. And is kind of, for me looking back on this, like, I think it'll be another one of those like hallmarks in the genre that people can point to yeah. maybe not for you know for everything right but it really came into its own after a good chunk in and again i enjoyed it before but i think the back half is really where i'm like wow there's some really neat surprises and things that i feel like make prince of persia special beyond the way it's in reference to so many great games that it came before yeah and that's just like uh weapons and abilities and how anime the moves get and stuff like that uh, it's honestly like just the quality of the platforming just got better Ooh, and better as interesting. I went. Um, it had such wonderful sections. I think it's even in the details. Like I, you know, one reason I play sometimes games I I don't love or games that I don't even think are good is you still learn a lot from that. And one thing that I really appreciate in this is just like how cohesive 
the whole experience is, even down to the, you know, little details of, okay, another disintegrating platform, essentially, but it's different. This one has, like, spikes because it's the pirate area, and there's traps with it. This is such a commitment to the depth and experience of what the different areas offer, but also beyond the combat, I just, I feel like the abilities were used in really intriguing ways where I don't want to spoil some of the later abilities you get, but sure. I'd get something and then I'm like, okay, cool. I can, I can go here X, Y, and Z. I can go to this place and get up this high or whatever. And then I'd encounter like puzzles or areas where I'm like, oh, and you can use this ability to get through here or even in combat, like the way abilities cut through all the layers where it's not just a traversal thing, but you know, one of the ones they show off in the trailer is the making a copy of yourself essentially. Yeah. And -hmm. learning that you can like within the in-game, like optional tutorials, you can charge up your like heavy attack, make a copy of yourself with that charged, release it as yourself, go back to the shadow of yourself and then release it again. I'm like, Oh, that's that's so cool. That is neat. That's smart. Yeah. It's really smart combat and action so far even just from the earliest hours and it feels like it's just ramping up and, and getting better and better on that front um like the, just the abilities that you get pretty early on of like you know i think it was during the first big boss fight in kind of the arena um against the weird part bird part lion thing or whatever the hell it was with the scorpion tail of course um, thing i guess yeah but then i had the scorpion tail but uh like i love that ability of just like he doesn't know what he is <laughs> no one knows <laughs> That's but, why he's so pissed. I think so. But I like I, the game director is a big fan of fighting games, apparently. I think it was in Kyle Hilliard's preview over at Game Informer where that was highlighted in a bigger way. And like having that meter just build on the bottom for like, all right, level one abilities, level two abilities. And having one of those early on just be like, all right, you, you pop this at level two and then it's just going to have a healing circle. And wherever you drop it, it's just going to be there. And like, that's such a fun thing to have in a boss fight in a 2D game. Yeah, it's like, all right, oh, yeah. oh, I was dying so much. And so just jumping out, yeah. but always trying to get back to that hot spot to heal. Like, even that was like, okay, I, I feel like I haven't done this exact thing in a game before. So even if it is very clearly inspired by Metroidvania, and I know they took a lot of inspiration for Metroid Dread, I do feel like there's a lot in here that feels fresh, you know, when you combine these ingredients. Mm-hmm. Jeff, where are you sitting with it? Yeah, uh... I am I am really enjoying it um, as well, and it's I I streamed it a bit um, last week, and and someone in the chat asked like, okay, so so what makes this a unique you know like take on the on the Metroidvania genre? And like I sat there for a long time trying to think of it, and like the <laughs> best the best we could really come up with was like every like everything just feels really good, like the combat feels super good and i don't i'm not a big stylish action kind of fan i'm not a fan yeah. of fighting games but like this one has enough enough depth and yet it's easy enough to pull off all of the moves that you unlock where i i guess most of me don't even unlock you can just do them but there's a guy who will train you and like actually show you and be like actually you know this entire time if you just hold up and then hold in the button you'll you'll hit him into the air and you'll go into the air and then you can start doing air juggles and then like all of that's just there for you to discover or you can go to this guy and he'll teach you but like i went through all i went through all of his little lessons and like i actually learned that stuff when normally i just don't care enough in a game like the combat is just that solid and then the platforming just feels so much better than than so many metroidvania games uh certainly but also like just a lot of platformers don't feel like this tight and like you have this much control and like janet said like probably the probably the first 10 hours i i played i was like 
yeah, I'm enjoying this. I'm having fun. It's not actually that difficult. And then like the 10 hours after that, it was like, oh, there are some like really devilishly designed platforming areas that you go around. And it's and like there there have been places where I've gotten like I have had to retry and retry and retry, but not in a way that has been has been frustrating like some games, you know, like. I'm a I'm a big fan of Super Meat Boy, but some of some of those levels are just so punishing yeah. with their timing and stuff. And it's here, like I just feel so fluid, and and the abilities are easy enough to combo together that you just feel super good when you pull it off. Um, and it and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel punitive. It doesn't feel like, man, I made that jump and you and like you you screwed me on that one. It's like you know when you messed up. It feels good when you're going through it. It feels like a thing. I will sit here and try to do this 20 times because I know I can do it. And when I do do it, it feels really good. And it's just like most games don't most platformers don't feel that good. Most combat games don't feel that good. Yeah. And you've married them together in this in this just again, like the map just keeps on going. Like I've been so surprised. (laughs) I, I will I will go through like one of the little biome areas. And be like, wow, this is big. And then you talk to the, the little girl who sells you the map and it fills in everything else that you haven't seen yet. And it's like, my God. And then it's like, oh, but do that 12 more times or whatever. Like the depth of this game and the size of it, it has really impressed me. And the fact that like I, I'm not burning out on it, like yeah. I want to keep on playing it. They, It's just good pacing. The boss fights have just been they get harder, too, but also like just really smart yep you know boss fights i'm i'm also not i don't like games where i have to fight a boss 10 times and learn all of his moves and you know like get down the timing on them and this kind of is that way but but it has kept me engaged and like and like janice said and like half of the time figuring out his moves also requires you to figure out how to use your special yeah. abilities to counter those things and that feels really satisfying yeah especially like having just the extra cinematic flair on the parries like when those pop in it's like oh just this camera work is good and like you know the game's running on switch it's running on last gen it's not visually the most impressive game but i do feel like as i'm playing this like this is as good as a game like this needs to look like i think it's a good looking metrovania and it's got so much anime style and stuff especially like in those parries it's like this this is great i'm having a great time playing it on my huge tv on my xbox you know i feel like i don't need anything else it's also one of the only games that i've ever consistently parried in Yep. I don't like parries and I cannot get the timing down. I am 100% like, I with you, it. Janet. I cannot Absolutely. handle parries in my life. Yeah. And they do have settings too to even tweak the timing on that as well. I think yeah. it goes down to like custom difficulties. And and I think that one of the early things that really stands out from kind of like anyone who's played it really is just the the ease of navigation that I've never felt before in a Metroidvania. Because my thing with Metroidvania is... It's such a tumultuous relationship because I love a lot of Metroidvanias. Like Metroid Fusion is one of my favorite games ever. Right, right. I was on the deepest dive for Dread and was almost in tears at the end because it was so hard. <laughs> um, but a Metroidvania, for me, it's only fun until you get really, really, really lost. And then I'm like, well, it was fun because I was figuring it out and doing it. Yeah. But the second that you can't do it anymore, it's not that fun. And I think people that are really good at them... They're like, no, I have fun the whole time. I'm like, that's because you never get, get lost. But like, you know, so I think the the memory shards thing with just everyone's talked about it, but the being able to basically capture an image and it have it stick to the map. So smart. And to yeah. go refer to that. It's great. 
is like, thank that. you. Like you can make a Metroidvania that isn't annoying in that way. That doesn't create that kind of pain point and still fun to go around. Um, I think too, a thing I really appreciate in it is just how I don't feel like I'm just waiting to get an ability. Like there is an aspect of that where I'm like, I guess I'm going to be able to jump higher. Like you can see that in the design, but I feel like they hide a lot of what's kind of inaccessible to you. And you can get further than you would think with the abilities you have at any given point where I feel like, oh, I almost feel like I got away with something like climbing all the way up here, but Ooh, that next part's just out of reach. So, okay, I'll mark that and I'll come back. Like, there's other times where I feel like I'm just praying that you give me something because I can't even move, I feel like, in the game. And Prince of Persia never feels like that, even yeah. when I am like, I think this is what I'm going to get next. And like, even if I'm end up right, which is a rarity too, like the abilities you end up getting, I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm still not getting this other thing that I thought I would get. Okay, cool. What's this mm -hmm. open up? And then you're kind of continuously on that. Um, it's just a really satisfying loop. Yeah. None of like the cheap out, like, okay, this is really just a key card for those kind of yeah. doors. Right. The red door. It's, it's like yeah. everyone is, it will get you to those areas that have been locked off to you essentially, but it's also a really useful ability that you're going to use in a bunch of different ways that you didn't anticipate. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's weird to play a game like this and I feel happy for Ubisoft to get this win. You know, I love yeah. the idea of Ubisoft like making a medium-sized project compared to just Assassin's Creed Infinity um, and their juggernauts that they seem hell-bent on creating just bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, just It feels like, you know, calling back to the level of Ubisoft that, oh, God, what was their RPG that they made in the UbiArt engine? Oh, help me out, live chat. But it just I love Ubisoft trying to make a medium-sized game and it paying off in such a big way. Child of Light. Thank you, Crowboy, in the chat. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, it's just, I, I feel happy for them. And it's just, because it just feels like, all right, the budget wasn't ridiculous. You know, maybe if more huge studios and publishers out there are just trying to make games of this size, gamers will like it because it's a very well-designed game that pays off for the Metroidvania genre. And now studios won't collapse if it doesn't uh, make a gazillion dollars, you know, which is just the yeah. case more and the, more with these huge budget games. Yeah. The other props I wanted to give was, being another Ubisoft game, they have the exploration versus guided mode. Yeah. And it it totally works here. Like the mm. exploration mode feels good, unlike, you know, all the complaints I had about Avatar. Like I played the entire thing in exploration mode. It's totally fine. Sometimes they'll give you, you know, a few hints about what you're supposed to do next. And it's enough it's enough. Like in in part because every area that you're you go to, you're just kind of already invested in like okay there's three ways out of this room i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna go to each one and i'm gonna you know see what's up there um yeah but yeah it's like that's the that's is the perfect way to play to play it for me but i'm glad that they also have a more you know directed mode if you don't if you don't want to do that which janet looks like <laughs> she's questioning well because yeah i have that's actually one of my beefs with the game i don't have too many complaints um, but for a game that has so many smart quality of life choices, there's a couple that are like a little glaring to me. And one is the guided mode. It's not very guided. Like it's not, Isn't I think it? the exploration mode is great in that it has so many guides that you're kind of alluding to Jeff. Um, things like, you know, what I call the ghost Tsushima wind that it has like right. when you're near a save point kind of guiding you there. So I love that there's guidance in the exploration mode, but on that vein, I thought when I toggled on guided mode, because I wanted to see, um, you know, what it was like to go in that mode, 
it just kind of adds like a, mar- a marker for where you need to go next. But like, it'll add that marker to like the general area, even if it's like an undiscovered part of the map. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know I got to go east. They told me go east. That doesn't actually help. Like, I thought it would just have sure. more. Like, I wanted Shortest dead path space there. levels. Oh, my God. Like, give me a line. Like, because that's what you're proposing, I think, when you create that dichotomy. Um, hmm. Another glaring thing for me is fast travel. We got these little fast travel points. Pretty rare. And you can only go from statue to statue instead of checkpoint to checkpoint or traveling at any time. And in a game that's supposed to not be annoying, I feel like y'all <laughs> left goal. in one annoying part, which I think that, is kind of odd. Yeah, that that is that was the one um, complaint that I wanted to bring up, too, was they are, I feel like, like the trees are great. You got plenty of trees that you can find and save at. It feels and like heal. the the fast travel locations are at like 10% of those. Yeah. And sometimes sometimes you look at the map and it's like, I have to go back there. And so like, where's the closest fast travel? And it's like, I have to go through that many rooms to get back to one of those places. Mm-hmm. But they just want yeah, you to I, have more exciting stuff to uncover on the map, probably. You know, if it was just the trees, like, all right, here's another tree. But to give something different that you can be excited about finding on the map, I guess that's the, the payoff. Well, going I mean, for. They're, they're usually they're usually right next to trees as well. Yeah. It's just that they are they are. They're a little too rare. I could use twice as many of them just to kind of bridge that gap when you're in some areas. And it's like, I don't want to have to run back and forth through this you know sure room I, i've already di- i've already discovered everything in it i don't want to have to i don't want to have to make that run back to a fast travel because now i got to go to you know the opposite end and what's shocking is they never give you anything for it because i assumed okay well at one point surely they're going to give me like a magic pair of pants i can buy where i can fly <laughs> through the you know i don't even right, care right, right. don't put it in you is it is it real life money what's your venmo like uh, let me do <laughs> you know as someone that pursued the com- and it's not completionist run because it's like ninety eight percent. But like for the platinum, especially, like I loved getting to play more of the game because I think it's a fantastic game. But holy cow, was that like? It's like you know those platforming sections that you're like, this was great because it was challenging and fun. What if you just had to go back through that just to get to the next spot? Yeah, that and I'm sucks. like, no, let me just kill myself on these spikes over and over again because my health is so bad. So it's like stuff like that. I've where definitely I'm like, done that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Th- there have definitely uh, been times where I'm like. Okay, I which tree did I save at? All right, I'm just gonna jump my head into these spikes mm-hmm. 15 times because that will be faster than having to run back through those hell rooms. Yeah, Prince of Persia, the Lost Crown, everybody, 50 bucks uh, on Switch, last gen, current gen. It's not on Steam. It's just the Ubisoft uh, PC store, which is a little bit frustrating. Um, maybe it's just because we just went through all of our Game of the Year stuff not too long ago, but. I feel like this is going to be the number one choice of for game of the year 2024. Everybody being like, no way that came out this year. Oh my God. Oh, I can't totally. believe that was 2024, but this is the January version of that. Everybody. So get ready for it. But Prince of Persia, the lost crown y'all. Uh, Hey Janet. Hello. Hi Janet. Uh, do you know how this whole thing operates? Yeah, by already creating a notion called Two Tens Twenty Twenty Four and writing one Prince of Persia Lost Crown until Smart. another game comes out that dethrones it. Hell oh, yeah! The Leo Vader effect. How shrewd! Uh, actually, Janet, I'm sorry. It is Patreon. Patreon.com/slash MinMax with two ends. Find a tier there that is right for you. Find something that's sustainable, and then you'll help keep us sustainable. And here's the thing: not only that, but you can help support independent games media, unlock a benefit, but 
uh, until January 21st, if you support MinMax on Patreon at any tier, even the $2 tier, we will send you uh, an Xbox game through a DM on Patreon. So if you jump in before January 21st, we will DM you with an Xbox game. Uh, we are, I think, 60 new supporters away from hitting 4,000 supporters on Patreon. So you can put us over the edge because we literally have 350 game codes to give away. So jump in there on Patreon now before Sunday, even at that $2 tier to get an Xbox game. We're happy to ship it out to you. And thank you, of course, to some of our uh, bigger supporters. Y'all know Factor, right? Y'all yeah. love Factor, right? Uh, super easy, <laughs> fresh, good meals, everybody. Factor. Uh, just imagine having uh, food that's good and tasty and healthy, Jeffum, and two minutes. Literally two minutes in the microwave. It's not saying it's a microwave meal, but just this morning, I had something I had to microwave for a meal. Seven minutes in the microwave. Felt like a lifetime. I was Wait, pacing for so long. Wait, My legs got sore from yeah. just pacing. Factor meals, two minutes, pop it in there. You get a great meal, ready to go, perfect lunch. Then you can save more time for your other New Year's resolutions, all that fun stuff. They want you to know that you can skip the overpriced takeout trap because Factor is cheap and way more delicious than takeout. You can get chef-crafted, restaurant-quality meals delivered right to your door. They're ready to heat and eat in just two minutes, which means more time for you and your life. Factor has everything you need for a week of flavorful, nutritious eats. In addition to ready-to-eat meals, they have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, quite good, believe it or not, uh, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep us energized during frantic times. So you can head to factormeals.com minmax50 and use the promo code MINMAX50 to get 50% off. That's code MINMAX50 at factormeals.com slash MINMAX50. Thank you to Factor. And thank you to new supporters of ours, Fume. Fume is the name of the company. Um, Jeff, do you like air? All right, from time to time. Okay, uh, Haley, do you like cool little fidget devices? Heck yeah, I do. Uh, Janet, do you like avoiding bad habits in your life? Yeah. Okay, well then, fume is a thing for you. Uh, this is not a vape. It does not heat up at all. What it is, it's a little thing that might be able to replace some bad habits in your life, but it really is just like you take a certain flavor, like this is, I think, raspberry mint, raspberry lemon is what it is. You put the tube in there, slide it in there, doesn't heat up at all, and then you just suck on it to just breathe in a little bit of flavored air. It's a funky little thing. Uh, they want you to know it's completely natural, no harmful chemicals. It just uses delicious flavors. I was very curious to try it. And I think the biggest takeaway is they describe it as, it's like an herbal tea. Like just a very light thing of flavor. And also it does feel cool. It's heavy. You can twist it around to determine how much air is actually coming through this fume device. So if you're interested in that, you can check it out. They say right now is the best time to start the good habit with fume. All orders for the month of January have buy one, get one cores. Those are the flavor cores. So you can stock up for that New Year's resolution. Plus, as a listener of the show, you get an extra 10% off when you use your code. So head to tryfume, that's F-U-M dot com slash minmax, and use the code minmax for an additional 10% off. Plus, buy one, get one cores until January 31st to help make starting the good habit, as they like to call it, that much easier. Start the good habit at tryfume.com slash midmax to get 10% off. There are links below for all this fun stuff. So shout out to Fume uh, for jumping on as a new supporter of the show. 
And of course, thank you to the good folks at I Am 8-Bit. They want everybody to know about the Minecraft Dungeons vinyl box set, which is available in the I Am 8-Bit Wonderful Online Store. This is a, a four-disc vinyl soundtrack on nether purple and orange vinyl. Uh, it has music and remixes by Johan Johnson, Peter Haunt, Samuel Aberg, and a ton more folks. Grant Kirkhope is in there. My God, he composed the music for the end of this podcast. Um, album arts by Mo Yang Studios. So check that out at I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store. They have so many vinyls there that are available and they have so much other stuff in their store that's just the best. So go to I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store. You can use the promo code OLDGAMESIGN. OLDGAMESIGN. You can check out the spelling in the link below. Check out the description for the spelling of that to get 10% off everything at I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store. And Haley, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but... You just ordered something today from them, right? Using that code? Mm-hmm. And I used all games sign. I had to slow down and type it out. It was kind of hard to know what to type it out. I got the, I pre-ordered the Sea of Stars vinyl. It looks sick. I it, love the art for it. Yeah, it's the physical edition of Sea of Stars. It looks fantastic. I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. promote it on the podcast coming up. But uh, help support I'm 8-Bit because they support MinMax in a big, bad way by shipping out a prize to the MinMax community. Whoever has the best question every week submitted over there on Patreon, they get a physical prize thanks to I'm 8-Bit. So help support them, please. Links below for all of these promo codes and all this fun stuff. And we, of course, need to remember whoever sent in the absolute best question uh, submitted over there on Patreon this week because they win the A Little to the Left vinyl soundtrack thanks to I Made Bit. So look alive, everybody. That's my client's game. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cute. They're from here. They're from Halifax, Nova Scotia. It feels like a Nova Scotia kind of game, I got to say. Yeah. Very chill. Yeah. Uh, Do you consider Nova Scotia a chill place? Oh, yeah. Super chill. That's nice. It's starting to get a, a bit hectic because our cost of living is horrible. But other than that, it's very chill. All right. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, all right. Community questions. Here we go. Janet, you ready for these hot zingers? Always. Are you sure you're ready? Because we're starting with a scorcher and I need you to be prepared for this. Yeah. Janet, are, no you, gear. are you <laughs> sitting <laughs> down? When, I, when I'm not on the show, I just power down the lights and sit here. Okay. All until right. Until it's time to come back. Good. Well, here we go. Crab Palace writes in. They ask... What will be the most controversial game of 2024? Yes, let's go. <laughs> it could be that Indiana Jones game, to be honest. Oh, hot, hot, and if hot it's, If it's not that, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, yep. That was my first yeah. thought. Or the drama of the, oh, like, I don't know. I don't like how Easy, someone's pants are different. I don't know what you guys want from that game. But we want pants to be that. a very distinct way. And if they're different from how I'm imagining those pants, I'm going to be pissed. I, that oh, was, Dragon's Dogma as well. Ooh, Dragon's Dogma. What about that? Um... People will be like, this is really great, actually. And then other people will be like, this feels like a PS3 game. Okay. Yep, I can see that. I I think Rebirth is a real contender. I hadn't thought Indiana Jones. Uh, that could be interesting. But I do think Rebirth, that. there are going to be changes. I mean, my prediction is a lot of this game is going to be faithful to the first disc of Final Fantasy VII, and then they're going to get to the end. And just like in that first remake, like chaos is going to erupt lore-wise. And I think... I think people are going to be flipping over tables and just confused and outraged. I mean, it's going to be zoomed into maybe a certain subset of delightful Final Fantasy VII nerds, but I think it's going to be up there for most controversial, for sure. Anybody else got one that is at the top of their head for most controversial? Peach Showtime. Everyone will be like, Peach is boring. And it's like, if you Ooh. say Peach is boring, you hate women. And I have that. Fight. Ooh, ooh. I have that, but on a different angle. I think it's okay. going to be a seven level game but people will be like how can you say that it's not that good when it's a kid's game 
I think we're gonna have the kids game discourse for that. Uh, oh my! My daughter liked playing it, so yeah. why are you reviewing it and saying it's not that good? Okay. What do you expect? Odyssey? It's not gonna be Odyssey. And I'm like, okay, you're projecting a lot of stuff. Like, oh, they're definitely gonna compare <laughs> it to Odyssey, which is the most unfair game to compare. Right. Like, how is that? That's yeah, it's not like, why does Princess Odyssey. Peach not get the budget that Mario does with Odyssey? Okay, I could see a lot of those. Hot no, takes. I think it's gonna be more mm. like people are mad that other people are reviewing it in a serious way, which it's a game. Where they'd be like, oh, but it's not like a lot of times when there's this game that's like has appeal for kids, they're like, well, you can't review it because it's me- not meant to. It's it's they didn't they didn't want it to be good, and that's why it's not that good. <laughs> why are you why are you even talking about the fact that it's not that good yeah. when they never said it would be? It's like, oh, okay. I, I do think you know people in the chat are like, oh, Suicide Squad. It's got to be Suicide Squad. Yeah, I don't. I feel like we know not, cr- not controversial, right? Yeah, we know no. the exact arc of Suicide Squad. It's going to come out. People are going to be like, oh, Living Game. Oh, the UI. But there's some parts of the story that are really cool. I like this part actually, but uh, let's just move on quickly. And then it's not going to sell well. And then there's going to be layoffs at Rocksteady, and we're all going to be sad again. Like, mm. I, I feel like we have a crystal ball already for every discussion we could ever have about yeah. Suicide Squad and Rocksteady after that, sadly. Yeah. Surprise me, please. I'd love to be surprised. Do you think it'll score better or worse than Immortals of Avium on Metacritic? What is Immortals of Avium at? 69. Nice. I think it'll get exactly the same number. That's a cop-out answer. And I okay. Um, I think it's going to score... Lower. I think it's going to be... Ugh. I think it's going to be 70. I think I'll put it at 70. Okay. All right. All right. But I mean. 1% higher. So, yeah, it's a pretty bold really take. Didn't, didn't we just say on Tuesday that we thought it was going to be lower than Blackgate, though? I think we Blackgate, did. Blackgate, like 65? Don't check the tape. Yeah, Jeff and I played and then, Arkham um, Origins Blackgate. What's the other Blackgate. one that, like, it didn't, it was arcane, and it was, but it was bad. What was that? Oh, from, Redfall. Like, last year? Yeah, I think also it'll be, like, in that Redfall conversation, which I think Redfall's, like, pretty low like low 60s or something yeah it could be yeah to follow up on the podcast from last week we were talking about a little bit about arkham origins blackgate which is the batman 2013 metroidvania um the 2d game but jeff and i played it for neutral plus and not very 2d at all it's just kind of like extremely limited 3d like for when you can move yeah it's it's a funky structure for an arkham game like it I'm glad we played it. Like, I'm glad I have that frame of reference for what that thing is now, but it's so far from being Batman's Prince of Persia Lost Crown, which is what you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Redfall has a 56. There's no way it's going to be that long. No, 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 no. Absolutely. I also feel like, did we go too far? Like, that sounds really (laughs) long. I don't know. It wasn't good, but like, neither was Princess Peach's game, probably. Like, you know, it's like, uh, was it that serious? Uh, You want to get real for some controversial games that people are probably going to be tearing the internet apart about in 2024? Number one, Open Roads. From Fulbright, right? Mm. Like, if you remember the whole Steve Gaynor outsting lightly of the studio, but he's still involved a little bit. I feel like when that game comes out, everyone's going to be like, how do we feel about talking about this? It could have been a lot worse situation for Fulbright, but no one feels great about Steve Gaynor's leadership. It's just going to be a weird, murky one, I think, for the press to talk about. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is uh, Edmund McMillan, speaking of Super Meat Boy, the co-creator of Super Meat Boy, he's making that game that's called Mugenics. And imagine a game based on eugenics will be a slight discussion. I want to know why that. I mean, here's the thing. Like, there's someone had to have told him, like, "Hey, you shouldn't name your game." But it's a pun. Eugenics, like someone had to. And again, it's it's just like, oh, it's just for the pun and like the mixing of the DNA. But like, I mean, (laughs) this eugenics reminds me of like you know how we think of new show plus names and we go straight for puns, and then right after that layer, we're like, now let's think about how this exists outside of the pun. 
Monster, I feel like yeah. Ed McMillan was like, never did F that, that layer. <laughs> I, we're, we're, let's stop now. Yep. Let's go for it. And I don't understand. I've been thinking about this forever. So like, I'm forever. actually kind of upset you brought it up. Because so they announced it in what, like 2014 or something, which feels like the peak time to name a game what? Mugenics. And now 2023, it's like, ah, you know, but I, it's, it'll be fine. It's a game about cats and mixing breeds of cats. It, it'll be fine. But people will certainly I talk mean, about it. Weren't you a fetus in Binding of Isaac right. too? Right. And everyone was just like, eh. But this, this they're, feels they're, more their games like, are, are gross and weird and Yep. Yeah, it just feels like it's in, you know, it it just it's it feels worse. Like okay. and, you know, I guess for for those who don't mm. know, like you can look up like the definition and history of eugenics, which is like back to, you know, the idea of reproduction, human reproduction for hair like desire traits which has like a lot of ties to like racism and, and other societal issues. and that's why it's like i know like i know what connection was made here but it's like okay but like what about this other like it just feels so glaring of uh, yeah. like of yeah. you didn't go beyond the pun and that's the charitable reading because there's obviously a less charitable reading of the of naming your game <laughs> what eugenics. That he's really into eugenics <laughs> for humans no it's just that more that you you would know that you acknowledge it and you don't care because there's like uh. oh like i didn't think about it or i didn't think it was that deep and then there's like no i was told that it was i thought about it and i decided i did not care which right. is the less charitable reason i mean i think that's um, exactly what's going on here but i, I don't well, think it's i hate that then mm. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> jeff you got, uh, you got a controversial I, game for 2024 yeah not that controversial i guess oh. so i've already failed the question um but star wars outlaws Oh, okay. good pick. People are going to complain about that, right? There's no way it's Star Wars. EA pulls everything off fine, and also it's you're Ubisoft. playing as a female character. So, of course, people are going to complain about no. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good news is there's no way that's making 2024. I mean, they just released Avatar Frontiers of Ventura, that same Look, studio. I got to go year. by what the okay. calendar says yep, right calendar. now. You know? yep. I have a question about that, though, Jeff. Um, do you feel like what would be the controversy that you see? Like, some people will think it's good, and others will think it's bad. Like... I, you know? I mean, I'm sure I'm sure we'll have like dumb microtransaction talk because Ooh, okay. it's weird it's, it's like Ubisoft, live Jeff service it's stuff Ubisoft. is probably going to pop up Ubisoft. in there. It's Ubisoft, and then you'll Jeff have... it's Ubisoft, it's Ubisoft, Jeff. It's Ubisoft. Didn't I? You said EA twice. Oh. Well, you know what? <laughs> Honestly. Same. <laughs> yeah, same, same difference. Uh, but But then like, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure like. User scores are going to be way down because uh, because it has a female character, and then and then like the media is going to play along with that, and and we're like we we hate that stuff, but we love it too when when your job is like writing about that kind of stuff. Yep. And let me just pre-write a hot think piece as well. People are going to say Star Wars Outlaws is a better Indiana Jones game than Indiana Jones because people would be like, oh, she has that Han Solo swagger, and you can feel the Harrison Ford. Mm kind of heart of gold in there and it, i bet there's going to be some real hot takes just scorching hot takes uh plus half the people are going to think it came out from ea and that's gonna oh be my god how do you correct that on a podcast yeah. it's impossible yeah. where did where did yeah. that start there's no way of us knowing you know uh <laughs> bo bakken writes in this year sounds awful let's just skip to next year i don't want to do yeah. any of this discourse actually janet mark your calendar let's talk about open roads and mugenics on the podcast again i think it's gonna be a hoot for the whole Honestly, family i'm there for yeah it. bring also, the kids I think, I think open roads will be like season level of quality yeah 
Mm. Probably. Which is which I'm upset by because I think the premise is very cool, but I don't know. Uh, Bo Bakken writes in. They say, so last week y'all were gushing over Red Dead 2's visuals and it reminded me of something. I'm a painter. Congratulations. And ever since Skyrim, I thought it'd be, f- it'd be fun to make physical canvas paintings of landscapes from games. Maybe Haley knows the answer to my upcoming question. Can I legally sell original paintings copied from a screen grab from a video game? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Haley McLean, the video game IP lawyer. Take it away, Haley. The boring legal answer is it no. depends on everything. Oh, don't say it. Boo. <laughs> Jeff, I'm going to say, say the say line. Games. Haley, say the line. <laughs> That'll on. be $3,000, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's a, so part of the fair use argument, because um, you think of parody and satire, those are the, the common things with fair use that everyone talks about. Um, but also if something's just transformative, um, it can become your own original IP because copyright has requirements like not everything can be copyrightable it has to be original um and it has to um be like a a solid thing in in our existence like for example an ice sculpture couldn't be copyrightable because it melts i always use that example wait really legally like somewhere in the textbooks they say that well yeah it's like an example like i got taught when i was learning copyright law but like a photograph of an ice sculpture could could be your ip because it's 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 fixed it's in a tangible medium so hang on Um, sorry sorry Haley. i'm sorry let me just derail this from bo's question so could Mm -hmm. i like in front of disney world never minding the temperature make a big ice sculpture of mickey mouse and charge people to come see it but it's melting so you can't hold it against me well, then also Disney could walk up and do that, too, because it's not your IP. I, you know, yeah, well, I don't care. They can but do it if they want to as your, well. That's still your property, but it's like not your intellectual property, if you know what I mean. Like, There's a difference between physical property and intellectual property in a way, because you can own like I could own a mug or but I could not own the art on the mug. Do you know what I mean? Or you could like sure. the whole yeah, games debate. Right. I held a mug to the screen. <laughs> Like, like Janet couldn't take that pattern and start commercializing it on different stuff, but she owns that mug. That's Janet's mug. So there's a big difference between like physical, the physicality of the thing you're buying. That's why everyone's talking about like, remember that new, that exec, was it an Ubisoft exec also? Yeah. It was like, yep. get used to not owning your games. It's like, well, <laughs> there's a difference between owning the physical disc and owning the stuff on the disc. Um, you should be allowed to put that disc in and it works anytime, but you don't own the game. That means you own access to the game. So it's kind of weird when people talk about it that way. I always get a little confused because I, I don't own <laughs> Red Dead 2 because I have discs of it. I own the right to access it whenever I want on my console that I own. So it's like there's like, diff, you know, it's like differences in, in how you discuss things. But um, to the transformative purpose thing, there's like a lot of case law where people would take like a print and just repost it and change one little thing. Yeah. Is that transformative or not? Um, the way they phrase it is it has to have a, a modicum of creativity, which is so subjective. But there has to be you have to do something to it. You can't just repost or whatever. So there's okay, a lot of so- interesting so this exact example, yeah. right? Like painting something from Skyrim. You take a screen grab of a beautiful piece of scenery. Can you just yeah. change them from deciduous trees to coniferous trees and then done or deal? Or even just the act of transforming it from one piece of media to a different type of media, a screen grab to a painting, I would argue is a m- more than a monicum of creativity to do that, right? Because you're making creative choices. You're saying, what is, should I have the lighting look just like this or change it a little sure. bit, whatever? Like there's an act. So it's fair game. Skill. So Bo can sell the stuff? I mean, that doesn't mean that if you take a still that it's exactly a still that's very 
popular that they might take issue with it. Like you could still go to court for any of this kind of stuff if they are annoying enough and want to, but I would argue you have a modicum of creativity there. You could, you could paint it and, and change it. But there's like a lot of other interesting case law where there isn't that creativity. Like one guy set up a camera that just took pictures nonstop for 24 hours. And it's like, does he, and then he tries to sell those. It's like, but is there skill in that? All, is it not the tripod standing there that's taking the photo? And then there's another case where PETA was trying to argue that a monkey owned the right to a selfie he took. You ever <laughs> see this? So a selfie Sorry. took a National Geographic's yeah. camera. I think it was National Geographic. And he took a selfie and he looked really stupid. And then they, it made the cover of some magazine. It was making a ton of money. And then PETA was like, he should own that. That's monkey's IP. And they they argued that there was no creativity because monkeys can't really do that. So he didn't own the IP in his selfie picture. The photographer did there's a lot of weird ways you can apply it but case law is always really fun with those because it's it's humans deciding what's creative or not which we which we really should do but we have judges that are all in charge of doing that and deciding that if it's okay to paint a painting of you know like a landscape from skyrim but it's i i assume it's still not okay to just paint a picture of like a frame from a movie is that um you could that still would probably argue it's still arguable that probably that would be fine too depend dependent though if you had that monochrome of creativity if it was a if it was if you were it's weird because the more skilled you are at painting perhaps the less there is an argument that there was a creative difference because you captured it so perfectly it's really mm-hmm. just a, just looks like a still but then you could lean on the argument well that's my skill as a painter blah 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 but still it's it's interesting how it could go both ways like if i'm worse at painting it's going to look less like the still and therefore it's more transformative and, and it's my ip now what um, about the most so, so the could end- you could <laughs> could you have just painted a, a painting of mickey mouse before he became public domain and no, because that that's still really be okay. Trade anyway. trademarks are different than copyright, so okay. I couldn't paint like the helmet in. I'm pretty sure the helmet in, you know, uh, Fallout or something has been trademarked for some commercial purpose at some point. So if I were to paint the helmet, even if it was from a still I took, there might be arguments there that I'm violent. Like someone might think that that piece of art was made by Bethesda because their trademark is in it, even if I painted it. You know what I mean? So, but if they didn't they, trademark the helmet, then it's okay? Potentially. <laughs> if you have a modicum of creativity and it's transformative. Monocum. They definitely trademarked that helmet, though, because they sold it. Remember they had that collector's edition scandal yeah. with, like, Fallout 76? Was it in that really bad bag? duffel bag? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and if so, people were, like, analyzing the materials of the bag, it got, like, so unhinged <laughs> so quickly. So it's like, is, I get it. You guys didn't like the game. But, like, I think let's just let's calm down. <laughs> is the perfect legal strategy for this then, Haley, like exactly what they did with that gross looking sonic the hedgehog popsicle remember that like messed up looking sonic popsicle because it melts and also it's like it takes creativity to design and remix sonic's sonic's face you mean every character popsicle popsicle ever yeah so all popsicles are just fair game for ip because yeah it melts and it's a creative work to adapt it yeah am i eating a crime Haley? when i get a popsicle from the when they go when the song plays is that the is that a the song of crime? What's going on there? Is that the song of crime? <laughs> the song of crime. Well, with the Sonic thing, I'm I'm pretty sure the rapper said Sonic Popsicle. So unless <laughs> they were the ones in charge of the Sonic, no matter what yeah, it looks like okay, on the inside of the rapper, okay. it's still going to be violating something. <laughs> but you could come up with like you know the Halloween costume equivalent where you right, say like fast right. blue rodent yeah. popsicles or something. Well, that's why you see that. <laughs> like this was like a thing. Like people were talking about. Am, am I thinking of the? Spider-Man one? I think no. there's a gross Sonic popsicle. There's a Sonic I mean, there's, one. There's gross of everything. 
<laughs> you know true. what I mean? I don't yeah. know because you guys, you guys know what I'm talking about the ice cream truck popsicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We got gotcha okay. you on that. No there's doubt. There's a gross SpongeBob one. There's a Mickey one. Yeah. There's a Sonic there's one. Spider Man. A... Yeah. Exactly. Where there's like, um, it reminds me of like there's a Mexican candy. If anyone in the chat knows, let me know. The little clown one, where it's like the picture. I'll send you guys a picture where like the outside looks absolutely nothing like the inside. Like you'll ne- <laughs> you've never seen a difference so stark. Um, those who know know. I'll put in the somewhere that could be a false advertising case we got them for you oh man i okay anyway (laughs) janet i felt so bad i was in uh puerto rico for two and a half weeks and they were advertising coquito drinks everywhere and i know you're a big fan of it and i didn't do it i like i I got it to san juan after a couple days and i was like oh surely i'll find these somewhere else and then no one else was providing a coquito drink so i get to try your beloved uh holiday drink and i feel guilty for that yeah, I'm a, honestly, I'm so jealous that you went to Puerto Rico before me because yeah. I'm Puerto Rican. And I'm like, damn, you, it's, like, it's, like, it's like when someone beats a game before you. You know, like, I, I, that was my game. It's like, you stole my fun. <laughs> That's my so island. You stole my fun in Puerto Rico. Sorry, um, uh, you should still go. I, it freaking rules. Yeah, yeah. I sent you guys a, the, I'll put in a link, I guess, in the YouTube oh, chat of this, of the clown versus what you get. It's oh, so, me. oh, also it's, um, what is the brand? It's Rucolina. It's the Paleta Payaso, like the clown, clown, uh, lollipop is what that translates to okay okay but anyway i mean to be fair the clown is is holding an accurate version of the snack in the okay so does that cover him oh but but the rapper hold on oh i don't know you're maybe you're right god i never thought of that fair game way Air game. Uh, hey, Cody Allison writes in. They say, with uh, Games Done Quick happening this week, have any of you on the podcast taken a real stab at speedrunning something? I tried for a month straight, this is Cody yeah. saying, and was able to take my Shovel Knight runs from four hours down to 90 minutes. I doubt I'll ever wow. go that deep, but it was a rewarding experience. Uh, so they're able to take their runs from four hours to 90 minutes, I should say. Uh, you all That's have really speedrunning experience? Anybody? I like speedrunning the Hitman games. It's really fun. Those Ooh. games especially, because it kind of lends towards how those games play anyways. Um, some of them are really hard. My Dubai one is 17 seconds. Nice. Okay. It's the only video on my YouTube. So I've, I've been noticing since I've co- started commenting on MinMax things, since I became a community manager, that it went from zero views to like 20. Because nice. people are like, I wonder what it's on Haley's YouTube, and it's just my one Dubai 17-second <laughs> speedrun. That's all. No commentary. It's just me doing it, because I think I posted it to Twitter or something after that. <laughs> it, <laughs> that's really well, going to blow up after this episode now. Mm. It's going to blow up. Dozens mm-hmm. of views. Here come the residuals. I can't wait. <laughs> it's always tempting it is fun to like zoom in on a game and just focus on that again and again and again but i mean i go to summer games on quick since it's in minneapolis here and it's like there's no shot of ever being a contender of any sort but i do think it'd be kind of fun to try and drill down on sunset rioters or something like that i like the unique challenges they enforce on themselves with those it's so fun it's not like not just like i was watching one literally yesterday that was not just beating hades but it was two people one controller beating Hades and they did it in 15 minutes 15 minutes and 30 seconds and what I loved about that was they were like I was listening to them like there was commentating like them but I was trying to hear them because they were communicating in a way that you know they've done this for hundreds of hours like they'd be like Athena Athena Athena's left like they were like doing that kind of stuff and I was like oh trying to hear like how are they discussing this like skip that skip next room right 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 like one was controlling fighting one was controlling moving and they were amazing at it and why did they do that to themselves because it's fun i just think that's so cool that people nerd out and, and get really into it like that that's it jeff mj one that you want to speed around 
Uh, not really, but um, I played a when I was a teenager. I played a lot of the old um, Ninja Gaiden games Ooh, because yeah. they were included in the like the Xbox version or whatever. And I just kind of got into a groove of not really trying to speed run them, but I was good enough that I could beat all three of them. And so I would just kind of play them again and again as I was, you know, like also watching TV on a different TV. That's and just fun. Got pretty good at it. I love that. Uh, Keegan writes in, they say, during the 210s discussion, Haley suggested the name Foamers for games that weren't quite at the Bubblers territory. We decided on Upper mm. Crust Bubblers, of course. Mm. Um, Keegan says, this made me laugh as a suggestion because I work in uh, the railroad industry and Foamer is an old pejorative term for train enthusiasts since they oh. get so excited when they see trains that they foam at the mouth. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Haley, are you ready to do your um, straight to cam YouTuber apology for insulting yeah. all of the train enthusiasts? You've attacked so all sorry. of them individually, I feel like, at this point. I somehow feel like they wouldn't come for me. They'd be really sweet and be like, that's cool that you even learned one of our words. Thanks for being interested. <laughs> you know what? We are okay. foamers. Haley's taking a lot of time to reflect on her actions. <laughs> We do. I had to take a break to really figure out how I was going to come back to you guys with this. She's been reading, listening, (laughs) watching in the shadows, Uh, learning. learning. Keegan says, "I guess with Foam Stars coming out from Square Enix, there's a chance we'll see Foamers used in a gaming context again." But it'll always make me think of someone who's really into trains. That's That's true. Interesting. Uh, Bon John Bovi writes in. (laughs) Great name. Hello, Min Max, new patron here. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Get us closer to four thousand. Now that this year's Game of the Year season is wrapped up, I've noticed an interesting phenomenon. The awards for 2022 and 2023 were largely won by studios whose previous games were a little bit niche before having their most recent game explode onto new levels of critical and commercial success. Even though From Software and Larian Studios have been industry darlings for some time, I think it's easy to say that Elden Ring and Baldur's Gate 3 represent a significant boost in widespread acclaim for both studios. Uh, and perhaps the most interesting part, they both achieve this by doubling down on their studio's signature formula rather than watering it down. That's an interesting point. Uh, I've been wondering about the panel's thoughts on this question. Which studios, if any, do you think are poised to make a similar jump to consensus goatee status with their next game? Yeah, I mean... Good question. Yeah, obviously from software is, I think, well, yeah, they have to be more successful than Laren. I know Divinity sold a lot on Steam, but I would imagine not anywhere near something like a Dark Souls 3 would sell, I would think. The um, first thing that came to my mind was IOI with their next James Bond game. Yep, I think that's yep. going to be GT hmm. game of the year. Not even because Leo will be passionate about it. Everyone's going to be like, yep, this game's very good because they're going to take all that Hitman goodness, apply it to James Bond. It's the most dream combo of studio IP. Like, I can't wait to see what they do with that. That's yeah. such Quiet. a good answer. I think, it's, yeah. I think it's right. But it's a can they be as playful as they are in Hitman with Bond. Like, how close could it be? I could see them wanting to go Mm. in a little bit more of, like, a structured, quote-unquote, cinematic direction for that, and that might kind of rob it of the Hitman appeal in some ways, but... But Does it it need the silliness? Because, like, I do love the Hitman silliness, but I wouldn't mind if they got more serious and just applied their really good systems to a James Bond-type thing. Yeah, I hope it's more systems-focused. I always feel like everybody... 
even the huge Hitman defenders, when they talk about the game's story or like, oh, you know, the train mission in Hitman 3, that type of like more structured thing, oh, it, it's not for that's... us. But I, I worry yeah. that Bond might be going more in that direction. But what the hell do I know? You're again? right, actually. That's a really good point. The train yeah. mission is the most Bond-like mission right. in that game, and it's the worst one. Okay, mm. okay. But I good hear you. Point. Um, and again, this this feels like not exactly a niche developer, but I feel like the one that's most poised, and we still have a lot to see from it. But I think Playground Games with Fable. Like, I think those Forza Horizon games are so good. I certainly would put them in the yeah. game of the year contender. I know they didn't make the 210s and it's a knife to the back of every fan out there. But I do feel like with them jumping to like an open world RPG, taking all those lessons, like in theory on paper, they could knock it out of the park with Fable from all the lessons they've learned. Those trailers. Those were such interesting trailers for that game. Right. We still have to see real gameplay going on there. I'm looking forward to the yeah. developer direct where they dive into Fable. That maybe will be next year or something, you know, but... And in, in Fable, your your horse is going to be a car now, too, which also will help them. That's perfect. Kind of, yeah. DLC. That's right. Um, another one I was thinking about, and a lot of these, I think, come down to just being owned by Microsoft now. Where it's like, finally, maybe these Activision studios can breathe and take their time and lean into the studio talent. But Toys for Bob, uh, a studio that's been around since the early 90s they've made so many great platformers the skylanders games everyone's like wait these games are fun what the hell they made crash bandicoot 4 as their last game which i think freaking rules um mm -hmm. and the idea of them now being out of the call of duty support studio realm and they can make anything they want obviously the dream project for a lot of folks is if they made a banjo kazooie game now that they're owned by microsoft but i could see them blowing up in a big way uh with their next game too leaning in kind of the platforming expertise I like how the, the thought there is they're free from COD. It's true. <laughs> like, they're coming up for air. Like, we can do what we want. Thank God. I mean, the I, COD I, era hope, is over. I mean, I hope that's the case. You know, I think of also like Raven Software over there in Madison, Wisconsin. They've been, they had so mm -hmm. many original games back in the day and cool licensed games. And, and now they've just been in the Call of Duty machine working on Call of Duty online and a bunch of that weird stuff. And now if they could just yeah. make an original first person shooter again, like that'd be so cool. Um, I think Team Asobi. Yeah. Like yep, let Astrobot yep. finally walk out of the shadows. Uh, yeah. You know. So does that mean just if they made an Astrobot yes. platformer on the scale of the VR game, but not VR, so more people would play it, do you think that would be yeah. enough to be game of the year contender? Yeah. I think yeah. they could put the VR game just regularly on console and people would forget that it already existed. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it would, would be, be game of the year contender. That game does rule. Um, it's so good. Yeah, I mean they're they're just so they're so good. And it's like, I I have been dying for them to like really step into the spotlight. I feel like you, they feel like you know how like on sitcoms or like cheesy movies when they're like, oh my god, who's gonna be the lead star? They twisted their ankle, and uh -huh. then the guy who runs the lights is like, they're like you've seen it all. He's like, oh, I can't. I'm too. Even though I, I don't think they're insecure about their abilities, but you know, like I can't. I don't know what to do. You know all the songs, and then they go out. And it's the <laughs> you greatest know all the ever. songs. That's Team yes. Sobe. You're right. They're just sitting there. Yep. Yep, 100%. It does. They're right there, it's free real metaphor. estate. And especially with like Sony shutting down uh, the Sony Japan studio, I feel like, all right, Sony Japanese talent, it all comes out of Team Asobi and they rule and they can knock it out of the park if they want it. That's <laughs> what a condescending way to phrase it. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Question for Jeffum. Uh, Patrick G writes in, what's the difference between cabinets and cupboards? Good question. Please take your time. A cabinet in a cupboard? Yeah. Um, are cupboards 
installed like into the wall and a cabinet can be is freestanding. That's going to be my answer. <laughs> Correct. That's my answer. Uh, let's see. It's, Rabbit... it's no longer a question. <laughs> That's it. Rabbit Lime writes in. They say, what personal possession have you owned the longest? What cabinet, or sorry, what cabinet have you owned the longest? What cabinet? What personal possession have my you cabinets owned? My cabinets. <laughs> and my cupboards. I bring I my cabinets with me everywhere. I'm very personally attached. Janet, were you getting a possession? Oh, for I'm going to go get mine. I'm going to oh, go get yay! mine. Hang on, Janet. Janet's showing a stuffed animal. Is this why you weren't on Team Red Panda? Because you have a beloved old real panda stuffed animal? Yeah, I did yes. mention him, I think, during the episode. His name's Panda because I was a kid when I got him. Perfect. And honestly, how much more creative have I gotten since then? Mind your business. <laughs> um, but this is my little panda. And he's great. Like, I got him from my dad. My dad has worked in the hotel industry for forever. And um, back in the day, I feel like they might still do this. It's, it's more a nice thing. They like sometimes if you a family stayed at like the hotel, they'd have these pandas. It had like a the shirt would say like Hyatt Hotel on it or something. Right, right. And they'd give them to like the kids. Like, oh, like you have a kid with you here. Take this branded animal. And my dad was like, okay, that's that's coming home with me, basically. That's um, sweet. You're coming home with me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, I get a lot from my dad, and one is take everything that isn't nailed down for sure. Like it's just free real estate. That and Team of Soviet. It's free I'm real estate. In my bag. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. I was like, I went to the kind of funny studio. I'm like, Ben, do you need any USB cables? I took like seven. You know, right, I don't know. Right, right. right. I get it. Um, but yeah, it's just a little stuffed animal that I've had since I was like, I don't know, probably like five to seven, and I've had That's it my good. whole life. Uh, I have a couple of You take other good care of your stuffed animals. Yeah. He's, he looks fresh and clean in 2024. And I brought him everywhere. Like, I'd br I brought him to Mexico when I went to Mexico. I have pictures of that, of me bringing him to Mexico, and oh, I'd, I'd put him on my, like, wrist, which I saw. You got a way to hold wrist. them? <laughs> yeah, That's and so I would cute. hold them like this, so, so I wouldn't cute. have to hold them. But <laughs> anyway, video version for Panda. Uh, yeah, that's why I was on Team Panda instead of Red Panda. I had like, a yeah, go back and listen to all our episodes if you don't know what I'm talking about. I had a real Patreon, maybe. I had a real gut punch moment when I uh, told my parents uh, that we were having a kid. I think it was like right when my kid was born. My mom sent me a package and I opened it up and it was my two childhood stuffed animals, like my oldest oh. little Ernie doll and little Snuggles bear. I was like, ooh, oh, that's yeah. that's a real right to the gutter um i threw them in the gutter is what i'm trying yeah, to say i was gonna say right. that sounds like you stuck <laughs> right in the gutter <laughs> anyways oh my god did you How grab snuggles doing these days he's doing really good actually he's a little dirty and stained he's much dirtier than your beloved panda but he's pretty sweet i can't wait for my kid to <laughs> touch him for the first time because i'm saving it for when he can really appreciate snuggles like at age 11 or 12 no way you want those casuals getting hands oh, on no, your no. old toys did you grab something Haley? yeah this is ginger I do oh. not take as good care of my stuffed animals. No, she looks, looks defeated. Great. She looks like she's been to war. <laughs> no, you're tired. You are underselling this. The quality is like all there. Maybe like a little bit of wear in the stitching, but so is mine. She's missing an eyeball, but I, I'm not afraid to admit I sleep with this sucker every night. I've every told Every night. My yeah, this cool. thing is like it fits on my neck the most perfect way that I've I've had this since Hell I was like yeah. three or four. Whoa. I cannot. I've told people to when I die cremate this thing with me. I want it in there. I want it in the pot. Yeah, is that too dark? Because I need this thing. No, this thing is good. mine forever. I love the missing eye because it's like maybe they're always winking at you. You know? Yeah, uh, my new dog. Well, actually, when I got my new dog Sable, my old dog Coco lived with this thing for eighteen years. Didn't touch it once. Sable had it for about a week. Took an eye out, and she also had a ribbon that Co that uh, Sable ripped off. I thought she ate, and we were going to take her to the vet to get her to check, and then it was just on the floor. So we were, didn't have to spend two thousand dollars figuring that out. So Jesus, it was good. Hell yeah, <laughs> saving money. Uh, also, I think because it. 
maybe I'm not using it as much as Haley is, but I'm really proud of, I have a t-shirt that a friend of mine in fifth grade bought me. And I remember getting it as a gift and I was like, this is like a large, I, I don't fit into this. What is this? And so I just never wore it really, but I still have yeah. it and I still wear it every once in a while now. That's awesome. So it's like, yeah, I feel like that's pretty rare for like fifth grade t-shirt to be around. And it's timeless as well. Cause it's a South Park t-shirt that says the many deaths of Kenny. And then it's just like all the ways Kenny died. Oh, they don't even do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, they, they got way beyond Kenny that. anymore. <laughs> uh, let's see. Jordan Schaefer writes in. They say, am I weird for not being able to watch YouTube for anything more than a specific purpose, like a recipe or a game guide? My boyfriend watches an hour or so of YouTube before bed, just hoping or hopping from video to video on all different topics. I tried to do the same recently, but nothing jumped out and motivated me to click on it after five minutes of scrolling. Obviously, MinMax has a strong YouTube presence. Thank you. I don't know about that. Uh, so I wondered if any of the cohorts were like me. Were all y'all's YouTube viewing habit? What are all of y'all's YouTube viewing habits like? It's a great question. I feel like for me, it either needs to be a short snippet or a ridiculously long thing. If I see some mm -hmm. interview with some director or the making of Jurassic Park or something. And it's like two hours or three hours. It's like, yes, you're going right in that queue for watch later. I'm getting to you. Otherwise it needs to be like snackable stuff of like my, if I had to summarize my YouTube recommendation algorithm, it's just, here's Bill Hader talking about his thoughts on the Coen brothers for four minutes. You know, it's like that, that is just everything it knows that I like ram together. Here's that type of thing again and again and again. And it's perfect. Hmm. I watch uh, YouTube compilations to fall asleep to Let's Players I like. It's I shouldn't do it. Really? Even my therapist said to stop doing it, but I needed to fall asleep. She so, didn't like that I was near. She said no screens in the bedroom, and I was like, I'm I, sorry. I hope she never hears this, but I still do it because I, I just need it. I don't know what it is. I just like drifting off to sleep with that in the background, and I fall asleep with the remote like this. So when I'm on the precipice of sleep, I hit power and then... The TV turns Whoa. off. Whoa. And the dog asleep. on the other Have neck? You, yeah. And then the dog's on this neck. Like, this is a little. Don't visual. tell you your therapist plus, about sleep that. Like and you get like an old stuffed animal and a YouTube compilation. Um, Have you tried. <laughs> this sounds so rude. Have you tried anything else <laughs> <laughs> in your life? Because, <laughs> like, I um, fall asleep um, to, I would do like sleep sounds. And then now I am back to like, there's a podcast that I fall asleep to that's, it's like bedtime stories for adults, but not like yeah. creepy. Like like the Calm app and stuff like that. Yeah, I was using like my sleep app, and now I use um the podcast. It's called um, Nothing Much Happens. Oh, and it's like this woman. Who's, interesting like, name. And she has like this like really like 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 bed like not bedtime voice like not a creepy way. It's like not a sexual show. That's what I want to emphasize. Like a regular show. Yeah, okay. Um, the more you're testing, it's not. A sexual I know. Show. Well, like, yeah. Yeah. When you say like oh, it's for adults, show. I'm like, but not like weird. It's just like not you know. It's, it's like, like if all of us were showing our stuffed animals and we're like, these aren't sexual stuffed animals. It's like what? I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. assume that. Would it? But it'll be like, you know, this is a story where you take a walk and there's leaves falling from the trees and da da da. You know, and it's kind of and she reads it twice. And the second time she reads it is a little bit slower than the first time. Weird. And I just, oh. pa like, I, pa that thing, my boyfriend has a much harder time falling asleep than I do. I can be out. If I had to, I could sleep right now. Like, oh, in five jealous. minutes. Prove it. Uh, he can't, and he will be, like, knocked out by this woman. Again, in a not creepy way. I must emphasize. <laughs> Nothing so, but much But she's happens. a knockout. Oh. Yeah, it's, like, my favorite. Um, and you can, I listen to it with the, the, like, the Apple podcast, and they have a sleep timer. We're like, stop when episode oh. ends. So it's not 
just infinitely playing like different podcasts, which is nice. Yeah. But, Ooh, that is nice for yeah. sure. It could be your way out if you want well, an exit. Yeah. You might not want well, an exit. I, I kind of don't want an exit. Is that toxic? Like, I, I kinda, no, it like, is toxic, like but I love that you admit it. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like I said this knowing full well, like you might not even want, I can open the door and you might be like, I'm good right here, baby. And that's totally fine. <laughs> that's your prerogative. Exactly. I even upgraded to YouTube Premium because I didn't like how ads kept playing and waking me up in the middle of the night. That's got to be jarring, asleep. yeah. You're going to so end up like that Futurama I mean, episode where the ads play in your sleep? Yes, exactly. And I want slurm when I wake up. Jeff, can you open your YouTube app and hold it up to the camera? Because if I'm just imagining number one is like... Trains. Ha- yeah, number one, how to, how to foam <laughs> harder looking at trains. Hard, hardcore foam. <laughs> but then like how to, how to repair a sink. Is it going to be my what I imagine your YouTube feed no, looks like? No, uh, I, I have watched how to repair sync. It's videos, a great. Absolutely. It's honestly, I just put them on loop um, while I sleep. Got, They're got great. Them. No, it's the people that make those videos because oh, yeah. they're amazing and they always are they perfect. Are. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a lot of board game videos. Okay. Um, there are some woodworking videos. Um, is is the other hobby one, and then like um you know like round table a- a- actor round tables really? have kind of infiltrated some it's the and season. then and, and then weird weird math maths videos what? with like british people talking about i use them and get a load of this all the time like I guess that's true. mathologic is one uh, stand up maths is another one just like weird weird like you know 10 minute videos on some weird like this formula will break your brain when you hear it or this paradox. And we'll talk about that. Um, are, are most of what shows up. That's fun. Love it. Interesting. Uh, Sonny Johnson writes in, they say, Hey, what advice would you give to someone who wants to get a start in games, journalism slash games media? I feel like we get this question every once in a while. So sorry for repeating yeah. ourselves, but this could be like an hour long answer question. I, it could. I feel like I, I, let me just get the ball rolling in this direction. Haley, I listened to your appearance on the, what is that bonus points? The name of the podcast you're on recently? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, shout out to those hosts. Haley, help me again. What are their names? Joe and Ollie. There we go. Shout out. Thanks for listening, folks. Um, but I was listening to it. And I, I was I was telling my wife about it. Just like, I think I knew this, but I just love it so much. How specific you were like, in, in explaining your path in the industry where you're like, well, I, I really like games and I really like writing. And I was doing the whole journalism thing for a while. Let me paraphrase your life back to you. And then you're yeah. like, but that industry is so fraught with layoffs and everybody wants that job. And so if I love writing and I love games, I'm never going to feel secure uh, career-wise throughout my entire life. So let me just make a hard pivot and become a video game-focused lawyer. And now, as far as I can tell, you're succeeding and flying straight to the sun with your level of success. And I just, I love that pivot of like, all right, what are the ingredients? How do I steer that in a more practical direction and gun for it? And you did it. And I think it's an incredible pivot and you're still basically doing what you love. You know, it, it's, it's such a smart move, Haley. So congratulations on being smart a couple of years ago. Thank you. I, I feel lucky that things worked out, honestly. Um, and I also was lucky that I had someone who I could talk to then who was an IP lawyer. She wasn't a video game IP lawyer, but she really helped me with feel more secure about that pivot because I had a lot of people in my law school when I said I want to do video game law. It's kind of like, <laughs> that's not a thing. Well, it's like, well, you're 
freaking 70. Leave me alone. Like, you don't even know what I'm talking about. I'd write, wow. a, I'd write an esports paper and they're like, does it have to be esports? I don't know what that is. I'm like, go watch the Overwatch League for 20 minutes and then you can read my paper. Like, oh, like, come on. Like, just because you've never heard of this doesn't I mean I need to never study it. It's so frustrating. But, and then there was also a lot of professors who were great and were very um, helpful. But, um, it, yeah. yeah that it, guy, it, though. I'm with oh, you, Haley. Down with that guy. That guy. Um, but that pivot made it sound like it was it, that took about a year to like really solidify that pivot and to like set myself up for success with that pivot. So if it, it wasn't something I kind of just like next week, I'm going to law school. I had to really think about it. And it's tough. It, I was lucky that I had that time. Like, I, like I was done school. I took a year off. I just worked retail, saved up a nest egg, listened to a lot of the Game Informer show when you guys were still hosting it. I have weird, really specific memories of the Game Informer show working retail because that job was so boring. I remember I remember hanging up t-shirts and Kyle was talking about how it's best to get fresh garlic, not the not the kind in the jar, and then get a garlic press. And I don't know why, and like I still think of when I was hanging shirts and he, listening to Kyle do, talk about that. It's just like, a, it was a weird, long, like very scary year, but it worked out, but it... I would say if someone feels stressed about a pivot, like it takes time. It's okay. Like take a year and think about it. If yeah. you need to, it'll be fine. Sorry. I feel like I derailed this question though. The question is how do you get into the games media? And I just said, here's how you don't get into games media. Fail like Haley and do That's... something else. I mean, Haley's still in here. Like in it may here. not be yeah. in the same. So, I mean, I think it just depends on a lot of things. Like, well, one, like I think to Haley's point of reflecting, think about like, do you want to do the work that is involved with, what this is like what is your ideal job and do you want to do the work that that job requires because the answer might be a no like i think a lot of people you know they think about like well i want to like be on a podcast and like talk about games which is great and it's fun and i get paid to do that which is also a rarity like most people have like people that i know work at outlets and they're editors who happen to be on a podcast and when they're not on the podcast they're doing all their other work and frankly, sometimes they're not on the podcast that week because their boss said that they can't take the time out to they have to do something else. So there's a lot to think about on in terms of that. But I feel like, yeah, like, you know, I'm a big believer in pursuing whatever it is you want to do and a big believer in kind of reflecting what Haley did of being down to like shift when desired or when, you know, needed. Like, I feel like life is long if you're lucky and there's a lot of time to do different things. So like do whatever you want to do and work towards that. It doesn't matter necessarily how long it takes. And if you give up or decide you don't want to do it, that's fine. Like there's, it's all about to me pursuing what you want to do. So as far as like getting in the industry for me, it's um, social media, get on social and start Mm -hmm. hustling. Uh, But don't be weird about it. I think a lot, I've seen a lot of creators jump on Twitter and they're like, and quite literally they're like, I'm going to tag myself, everyone I've ever met and yell and hope that they'll see me that's not what i mean by get on social media um pump out your content and i think find other people that it's good to have like end goals like if you look at someone like you know ben for instance and you're like my dream is to be ben hansen i want to own my own patreon company and i want to make whatever right um that's fine as a end model but you should also think about who's doing this in the interim that's doing similar stuff that you can kind of meet and talk to and like learn from because i think a lot of people will look again at like the tagging thing and they're like oh well i want to be ben so um i want ben to notice me i'm gonna follow ben i'm gonna reply to everything ben says and i and i'll make it when ben follows me back or something and i think that's 
really, really misguided and has a lot of other issues layered to it too. Like you want to meet someone who's where you're at because that person's going to become Ben anyway. Like, you know, odds are like the people, like I wasn't like clout chasing people above me. I was like talking to the, like I knew blessing before he was that kind of funny. I knew a lot of my peers that work either in the industry, freelance still in the industry or have gone to PR. Those are all people that I was on their podcast and I wrote alongside them and I hung out with like, it's okay to have people at different levels, but I think some people get really obsessed with this idea of chasing the result. And you're so obsessed with the result, I have to question, do you really want to do this? Because you have to be in love with the process. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And if you're not in love with that and you just want to like, I want to podcast with Ben Hansen, that's it, not going to work out. Like that's the perfect way to never podcast with Ben is being obsessed with podcasting with Ben. <laughs> I don't think there's that many people that are obsessed with it. They could call Oh, there in. definitely are. Are you kidding? Like, uh, they could call yeah, into a bonus pod at some point. Um, no, but I, yeah. I do think that's smart advice. You know, I, I mean. you know that idea of just focus on your peers because if you connect yeah, with them, you'll advice. just lift each other up for sure. It, it's definitely smart. And also find other people that are passionate of the same stuff as you and you yep. immediately will see a change in the way that yeah. you approach things. Yep. And, and find a specialty. I'm still amazed by the number of people that don't learn how to edit video. It's, like, it's not that hard. Ever. You could spend it's one. Really you could spend <laughs> one week on YouTube tutorials and quadruple your chances in this industry. Like, it's like real, it it blows my mind sometimes. It's not exactly going to law school to learn how to trim some stuff in Premiere. But I think on that note, you have to also have not an end game, but like, like for me, when I got into the industry, I was, my big thing was like, I'm just desperate to be somewhere because I just want to be in the field and I'll do whatever you want me to do if it means that I can be in this full time and live and get to pay my rent without going into a good amount of debt, which I did. I used maxed out like all my credit cards while I was pursuing this career and it turned out fine, but it was, that was a choice that I made knowingly. I think you have to know what's next because once you get that, it's like, well, there's got to, even if what you want to do is stay where you are, like you have to know really what do you want to do? And I think it's okay to like get to your point, Ben, like if you want to see that as a marketable skill in your entry point in, that can be okay. But at the same time, like, is that really what you want to do? Because again, you want to pour into- sure. yep what you want and that will evolve too like it took me i still feel like i don't really fully know what i want to do like i feel like i'm currently doing what i want to do but i'm also like aware that that could change and like yeah maybe it will but for now like this is i've made the career that i want but it took me a long time to even know that this is the career that i wanted in terms of the exact lane of what i do day in and day out for a living yep Mm -hmm. sure uh jeff what do you like for question of the week Oh man, I like. Was, I, I feel like it was wall to wall bangers. Very good. Uh, controversial oh, games. Bangers. I liked a lot. I mean, in terms of a deep question, Bo Bakken's about painting landscapes from games. I feel like that's that's a real contender for making the show yeah. better. I'm gonna start painting. Yeah. Minor <laughs> paintings. I actually wrote it down the first time in history. Thank God. I wrote these down. They, I've been begging all you guys to do it for well, four years now. Yeah, and see, I, my notebook also has pandas on it. Um, yeah, it's eventually I get there. I'm like, I'm trying to be better this year in every facet. This is one of them. Okay, you get Enjoy. to you get to call it then, Janet, because you put in the legwork by writing these down. Oh, that feels kind of gross. I'm just I gonna agree. Name them and people can let that me know sounds better. Think. Thank you. <laughs> I like how you're merely like, let's do it this way. I'm like, I don't want to, and you're like, you are right. <laughs> um, I put paintings, the oldest thing that you own. Yep. Um, the YouTube uh, videos as well. Yep. Yep. We're all like good conversations. It's all yeah. good. Eileen painting the one about copyright law for painting something from Skyrim. I see nods. Okay. Haley, it's your specialty. How do you feel? 
Sure, I'll go with that one too. That's Congratulations, Bo Bakken. Also came to the last community meetup. Uh, well, the third anniversary community meetup. So thanks so much, Bo. I made it. We'll ship you out that prize, the little to the left final soundtrack. And now, of course, it's something for, it's time for something we like to call, get a load of this something. Been a long time since I got a load of this. Uh, I'll go first. Hey, get a load of this, everybody. Thank you, Now, Jenny, you're just kissing ass. That's nothing nice about it. Hey, I've never kissed ass, all right? right? Let's get one thing straight. That's true. I'd be a lot farther along if I kissed more ass. Uh, Hey, uh, get a load of this, folks. Um, They were talking about this on the 8-4 Play podcast, which is a favorite of mine. And it's one of those things. Maybe I learned it at some point, but I completely forgot. Uh, The NES, Jeffum, when it released in India, do you know what it was called in India? No. They called it the Samurai. Isn't that cool? And so apparently, according to the Wikipedia article here, due to import restrictions, NES consoles in India and South Korea were rebranded and distributed by local licensees. So the Indian version is called the Samurai Electronic TV Game System. And the Korean version for the NES was called the Hyundai Comboy. (laughs) Getting hungry just thinking about a Hyundai Comboy. Uh, There we go. Is Samurai cool or just racist? Oh, I think it's pretty cool. You're just saying because it's from Japan, they're like, I don't know, just call it some Japanese word. Yeah, I don't know. Call it the samurai. Sure. Hey, man, I freaking want to buy it if it's called the samurai. Uh, all right. We Who all wants- bought a Wii. That's like the dumbest word. Wii. <laughs> okay, I'll own that. Thank you. Uh, who wants to go next? <laughs> hey, Toss one out there. Um, get a lot of this. I didn't buy a Wii because I hated it. I thought the remote <laughs> was stupid, and I still do. Um, and it's called a Wiimote. Like, what's going on? But get a lot of this. Uh, Qless is a really cool looking word game that came across my timeline. Um, it's essentially like a, you roll a dice and you have like a couple, um, like the dice are, have different letters on them. And it's essentially kind of like an analog word game, like that you can just kind of arrange the letters to um, create different words. Like all the words have to have, I think at least three letters in them. And there's like kind of, it's like a solo word game. Cool. That seems like a cool thing. Nice. Um, I want to buy it, it eventually, spelled? but it's sold out right now. So we'll see. How's it spelled? How's it spelled, Janet? Oh, Qless. So Q-L-E-S-S. Nice. Ironic that we asked how it was spelled on the spelling game. Uh, yeah, there's links below for all this stuff. Uh, Jeff, you got one? Yeah, get a little of this. Uh, I forgot another category of YouTube videos that pop up in my feed. Um, and this one is a deeper dive into the new rolling technique in NES Tetris. Ooh, it's actually yeah. a two-year-old video, but it 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 was part of the rabbit hole I fell down uh, when that 13-year-old kid broke Tetris for the right. first time. Wow. Um, oh, yeah. And it's apparently how all the pros play it now, and it is, it, it's, it's designed so that you can get past the higher levels because you can't tap the left or right buttons fast enough. And what they have to do is they have to hold their controller... Some hold it upside down. Some have special control. But you basically have to put one of one of your fingers on the arrow, and then your other hand goes underneath it, and you tap, you roll your fingers and tap them all at the same time, and that gets the inputs fast enough to actually move it back or forth. And it's wow. it is as it says, just a deep dive on that technique, um, and kind of the history behind it, and how people figured out how to do it, and that's what has led to all these higher. Um, scores and whatnot. That's um, sweet. Love it. It's interesting. So cool. Links below. Haley. Get a load of this. Um, I talked about this on, on the Dead by Daylight stream I did late last week, but 
the Alan Wake's addition to Dead by Daylight is canon to the RCU, <laughs> the Remedy Connected Universe. What? It's canon. They said yes, that? Yes, that the best? Yes. So I read his little bio, and apparently um, Dead, he essentially wrote Dead by Daylight to existence as a Night Springs episode, <laughs> and it's one of his attempts to escape the dark place, and and Remedy's like, yep, that's true. That's that happened. Awesome. That's Isn't so that fun. great? Yeah. So he like wrote to life all the characters in Dead by Daylight, and he's trying to figure out how he ended that Night Springs episode because they just keep, you know, the whole thing of Dead by Daylight is you start a new game, you either die or you live, like going through the fog. And oh, that's so, so fun. So, so canonically, Alan, Alan Wake wrote about Nicolas Cage. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so <laughs> he stupid. wrote Nicolas Cage to life. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> That's good but stuff. yeah, he oh essentially wrote Dead by Daylight. And I think that's so hilarious. And I love that Remedy's like, yeah, uh-huh. isn't that fun? I do. I do love that level of just like, well, legally, sure. Why not? Like, why not say this? Like, I think about it all the time. I apologize for being such a dork. But with the MCU, just Marvel, once they introduce the multiverse, and especially with like the last Spider-Man movie of like, oh, no, it's just a multiverse situation where all of those Sony movies, that's just another multiverse. So it's like, if I could ask one question to Kevin Feige, I would want to ask him, like, technically, in your mind, are all other companies' movies just other aspects, just other pocket universes? Like, why wouldn't you say yes? Like, legally, there's no reason yeah. you can't just to be like, hey, Dazed and Confused, that's in the MCU as well. It's just another universe, and we'll never reference it. But technically, it's a multiverse, so it all exists within our world. We can pull from anything if we ever want to, and it legally Are lines up. in a multiverse right now, of, and everything you like is its own verse? Yeah, what the heck? That's true. Are we back to simulation theory? Like, it always oh, goes yeah. back to simulation theory. Mm, well, if it's correct, Mostly it's correct. because I keep bringing it up when people... <laughs> <laughs> leave a slight opening why does it keep coming back to simulation yeah, I'm like, ramming it down like, your throat also, a funny thing too Haley your story about listening to the game former show I swear to god I think we had that same garlic conversation on the Minmax show oh really whether, yes I so I think maybe yeah. Kyle's just obsessed with garlic That's Kyle only has it. one spicy take in his life and it's about garlic I do think well to be I, fair I, there I, was there was also that take about him eating and then <laughs> shitting on himself upside down <laughs> that he was super into um, yeah that yeah, pooping yeah. out garlic all over his chest. It was uncomfortable. I have a garlic crusher because of Kyle, and it wasn't even... It, he said that years ago, and I remember when I was at the <laughs> store, I was like, oh, garlic crusher. Kyle recommended it. Like, <laughs> you never know how you're going to touch someone's life you know, you. in this industry. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, you have one from the community from the Get A Little Of This channel, Jeff? Which, by the way, before you even plug yeah. it and, and say what... Like, that channel is genuinely just the best news feed on the internet. Like, it's so nice yeah, to have everyone right. posting everything cool in there because it's, you know, maybe 70% games, 30% cool stuff. It just feels like we have our own algorithm and it's called people. Indeed. Uh, get, a, uh, get a load of this. This one is from uh, Can't Blink. And it's uh, it's an IGN, IGN Roundup article kind of um, entitled Modern Turns... Mortal Kombat 1 into gruesome adults only DreamWorks versus Pixar. Of course. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a bunch of clips of people who have modded Mortal Kombat 1. So if you want to see uh, Woody and is it is it Jesse? Yeah. The cowgirl? Uh, yeah. Team, up, team up together and murder uh, the big blue guy from Monsters, Inc. Sorry, I don't know. Sully. Sully, but he's also yes. Pixar. So you, you know, throwing throwing their hats uh, and doing all of the gruesome fatalities, but it's all those. The old guy from Up, 
uh, teams Carl, up with a little kid. Respect these characters. Of course. Yeah, of say course. his name. <laughs> say uh, his yeah. name. Who could forget <laughs> Carl? Uh, but it, it, it's a very, it's a bunch of very goofy and inappropriate clips. Um, that sounds perfect. Links below. Fall asleep too. Ooh, yeah. perfect. Uh, hey, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for sticking with MinMax. We had a bunch of announcements on Monday on Patreon. There's a public Patreon post if you want to check it out where we break down like, hey, here's what we're thinking for in 2024, uh, the tweaks we're making. And the best feedback I saw, and genuinely people meant this as a compliment, so take this in the spirit in which it's intended, but I saw so many people be like, these are really smart, small to medium-sized announcements. Like, we're very happy that like MinMax is sustainable and you're not saying... And now we're going to space or something. It's like, no, these are just every yeah. year. Hopefully we're getting smarter and improving what we're doing here. Uh, biggest thing probably is uh, Haley uh, is taking over our bonus podcast that airs every Monday for Patreon supporters. So if you're a $5 supporter mm -hmm. on Patreon, you get a bonus podcast that in the past was called Party Chat. And Leo rekindled the conversation about like, why don't we just call it what it is? And so Haley, the name of the show is... Bonus pod. Bonus pod. If you're a Patreon supporter, it is right in your favorite podcast app every single Monday. And we're focusing more than ever on having uh, cohorts jump in on the show. So this week it was Leo and Jacob and Haley in a more relaxed conversation, breaking down Leo Leo's choices for the greatest works of art for 2023 that he didn't get to share on the show. Um, mm -hmm. So it, we've got a lot of feedback in a big content survey we did recently of people being like, we just... Hanson, you move too fast. Stop it. We just want more casual conversations from everybody. And so that is the goal of bonus pod. But also in the back half of that show, uh, you can call in if you're at the MinMax Council tier. So it's still a place for community feedback. So hopefully we're making everybody happy with bonus pod. But Haley did a great job on the first episode. Congratulations, Haley. Thank you. Uh, Should I say what the next topic is? Because it's already all kind of arranged. Yeah, sure. Go for Ooh. it. Yeah, Charles Hart and I are going to talk about Phoenix Wright. Well, the new Apollo Justice game, because uh, Charles yes. has finished it. But also just kind of Phoenix Wright in general. I think that'd be fun to chat about. Especially coming from a lawyer hosting a Phoenix Wright discussion. Yeah, so that's going to be happening yeah. on Bonus Pod. And Charles Hart, you might be saying, who is that again? Charles Hart, he was a guest on this podcast when we talked about Assassin's Creed Mirage. He's an associate editor over there at Game Informer, but part-time. And so in that announcement, we also revealed that we're working more with Charles Hart moving into the future. Um, he is going to be, uh, he's a video editor, uh, focusing on kind of like the bonus features we do. Like if we do a travelogue, if we have an outlier project here and there, he's going to be picking that up and editing it for us. Uh, and again, this is all only possible because of your support on Patreon. It lets us expand in this way. Also, uh, we are bringing in Haley DeBoom. Speaking of expansion um, and speaking of Haley's, uh, Haley DeBoom, if you remember, she was the guest from the community on this, ep on a, on this podcast a couple weeks ago because she donated during Give to the Max. And then, I've never seen such a tidal wave of feedback. If you would be like, you got to have Haley DeBoom on more. Oh my God, Haley DeBoom is the best. Uh, she was she, everywhere. Yes. So she was at ILM. Now she's at Apple. She worked at Square Enix. She's been all over the place. Uh, very insightful. So she is now a friend of the show. So she's going to be popping on our content whenever it works for her schedule. She's a tight schedule, but she's not a cohort. Um, you know, but she'll be jumping in as much as like a, think of it like a Jill Grote or a Charles McGregor, like that level of appearance, hopefully for Haley DeBoom moving into 2024. Um, Let's see. Also, oh, this was an announcement uh, that people are excited about as well. Um, Michael Huber from Easy Allies. Um, he is going to be helping us out. He's going to be hosting the next three episodes of Trivia Tower. A lot of people also were demanding in, in a polite way, like, do something with Huber. He's the best. Huber and Min Max, they're a match made in heaven. And we agree. And so we're bringing Michael Huber on to help out 
and host Trivia Tower. He's going to be bringing in his own guests. He's writing the questions. He's doing it all. So uh, he is hosting the next three episodes of Trivia Tower. The next episode, his first, is going to be at the end of January. We're still a little up in the air on the exact date, probably Monday the 29th, but we'll let you know exactly, but coming up soon. So again, if you want to win a game code, uh, an Astro A30 headset, and a whole lot more, you can jump in at the $2 tier. Help support independent games media. Help support us being able to bring in folks like Huber to host Trivia Tower, and you can compete in video game trivia then at the end of the month. Um, and again, just a reminder as well, if you jump in at any tier on Patreon, even that $2 tier, uh, before this Sunday, we will send you an Xbox code via Patreon. So we'll reach out to you once you've supported us on Patreon and say, hey, do you want an Xbox code? And if you say yes, then we'll give you an Xbox code. So thanks to everybody who has supported us. We have 350 codes to give away. So please jump in. Uh, let us hit 4,000 supporters on Patreon, please. Uh, anybody else have something they want to plug? All right. Oh. We'll get you next time. No. Uh, Janet, you're welcome to thank you to interrupt me whenever you want. But thank you to everybody for watching or listening to this episode. And thank you to everybody at the $50 tier, the game champion tier, for choosing a game and be de being declared the champion of that game. A lot of people jumped in with great choices here. Uh, Tokyo Jungle. Michael Berry is officially the champion of Tokyo Jungle on PS3. This is a contender. The whole ham damily, thank you for your support, they chose Super Smash Brothers Melee. Oh, I feel yeah. like that's going to be winning the next poll for sure. Uh, Rabid Lime chose Freedom Fighter, the champion of Freedom Fighters. So thank you so much uh, to Rabid Lime, Michael Berry, and the whole ham damily. Of course, whole ham damily is the champion of Super Smash Brothers Melee. Every match you lost in the past is irrelevant because you are officially the champion. But that's it for this episode of the Min-Max Show podcast. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll be back next week with a very exciting episode. I'm excited to talk about some of the games we're going to be talking about next week. So thanks so much, everybody. Until then, be good, have fun. Let's go. Let's go.